And now, Butterfic Weekly. Yeah, I, th- I think they've, they've determined which fix they're covering until the year 2012. No, and there's really no like, point covering them past that, because that's the apocalypse, so... I've missed something. Why is 2012 the apocalypse? That's the end of the Mayan calendar. It's the oh, end of the world. Yeah. That's the end of the Mayan calendar. Yeah, they're the authority on time. But they, they had very accurate calendars. They did. Yeah, yeah but why, why didn't they go past 2012? Because it's the end of the world. They predicted it hmm. thousands of years ago. Scary so, stuff. Mm. I hope it's stuff. after the Olympics, because I really want to take my kids to see it. Okay, so, oh, I have to absolutely <laughs> talk about this on the podcast. Um, go watch the 2012 trailer, by the way, they're, uh, because they're making a movie. Um, uh-huh. Same guys who did Independence Day and um, The Day After Tomorrow about the 2012 apocalypse. The, what the actual mechanism of this apocalypse is something out of Potterfic Weekly War. Yellowstone Super Volcano. I'm not joking. <laughs> And then no. it's going to melt all the ice caps in Canada and the world! <laughs> the thing I invested oh. in Canadian shipping. Congratulations, Ryan and Danielle. May your wedding be uneventful. Oh, wait. Jen's coming. Uh, may it be memorable instead. May Ireland be beautiful, and may your lives together be everything that you want them to be. Or as Spock would say, live long and prosper. Hufflepuff hugs and loves from Sue. Hey, this is P.S. I want to wish Ryan and Danielle many happy years together. Congratulations, guys. Hey, this is Rena. I just wanted to congratulate Ryan and Danielle. I hope you guys have a beautiful wedding and a wonderful life together. Congratulations, Ryan and Danielle, on your impending or recent nuptials, whichever it is. This is Aaron from the forums, and I just wanted to wish you both luck and also to give Danielle a special message. Danielle, if you ever need Ryan to do something you want to make sure it gets done, just give him the following ultimatum. You have one hour. Again, congratulations. Hello, Ryan. Danielle. I hope that on this day of all days, you're both having the most wonderful time, and that you have one of the most long-lasting and happy marriages in history. Mazel tov! Mazel tov! Yay! Ryan and Danielle, I'm really, really happy for you guys. I hope that your wedding is the happiest day of your lives thus far, and I hope that your life will be wonderful and filled with success and happiness and um, future children and love and all sorts of other nice things. So I'm sorry I can't be there with you, but I will say Elohim on your behalf. So Mazel Tov again, guys. Ryan and Danielle, this is Mike. I want to wish you guys a good wedding. Uh, I'm sure you guys are going to have a lot of fun, and I know you guys are going to be great together, because uh, I've seen you together, and you already kind of have that married vibe going, so I expect nothing but success and enjoyment from your union. Have fun in Ireland! G'day, this is Rosella. Just thought I'd pass on my good wishes for your impending nuptials, unless it's already over, in which case they're no longer impending. Good luck with it all. Keep together and have a great life. Hey Ryan and Danielle, it's Matt, or MD, and just want to wish you guys a happy marriage. Uh, have a fun time in Ireland, and Ryan, make sure to watch out for those cows. They can block your path. <laughs> Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. 
It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That was from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. Ryan and Danielle, this is Kelly from the forums. Congratulations on your marriage. You finally got here. And we can now officially call you Mr. and Mrs. Huggles. Congratulations, you two. I hope you have a wonderful day. Ryan, Danielle, this is Jen, too. I wanted to take a moment and wish you both a very, very happy birthday. It's not your birthday. Someone told me it was your birthday. Really? Hmm. Groundhog Day? No. Memorial Day? No. Patriot Day? No. Seems to me I'm forgetting something. I'm supposed to be congratulating you for something really, really important. I'm just, it's, it's just, I just really can't remember, um, <gasps> that's right, that's right, you're having a baby, congratulations on the new little huggles, you're not pregnant, no, okay, um, congratulations on the new job, you say Danielle got a new job, oh, oh, okay, yes, well, okay, what, um, but Ryan's still working. Oh, okay. Seems like I should remember something. Um, oh my gosh. I finally got it. Happy wedding! You're getting married! Finally, after all this time. Happy, happy, happy wedding. Happy wedding from Gen 2 and Mr. Going and the e-baby. We hope you have a very long life. Love, happiness, big family, people who love you there to see your big day. Just remember, when you have kids, it was the two of you there first. As long as you remember that, you'll be good to go. Gentoo, signing out. Ryan, Danielle, I've been asked to record this message here for you on your wedding, or to celebrate your wedding, I'm not sure. The bottom line is that this message is for you guys. Other people can and will say things about the state of marriage, how it is intended to last forever, it is intended to be a permanent union. I'm not going to waste your time with any of that. Um, as the two of you begin your married life together, I guess all I can really say is cherish each day. Cherish each other. Cherish the memories that you will build together. The world is an uncertain place, and the only way that we as humans can derive any satisfaction from it is to live each day to the fullest. I urge you both to do that. I urge you to take joy in each other. Live. Live. Live for each other, live for yourselves, live for your children. You have my salutation on the happiest day of your life so far. The next happiest day coming up in the future will be the birth of your first child. And I'm trying really hard not to dip into a cheesy godfather quote here. May their first child be a masculine child, and, and so on. 
Remember that even though times may seem hard, things may look bleak, they do get better. I urge you to look past that, to the future, to when things are better. I guess really all I have to say is congratulations. I know that all of Pufwa joins me in saying that we love you, and we wish you only the best. God bless. Hi, this is Keza, and on behalf of everyone at Pufwa, I'd like to congratulate Ryan and Danielle on their wedding, and to wish you both a long, happy, and prosperous life together. Well, we have to warn you, Michael Jackson died. I heard. Okay, good, because Melinda hadn't, and there was some warning. I have heard it. I'm devastated. I don't think I can do this. Like a comet blazing across the evening sky. Gone too soon. I made it all the way through my reading this week, Ryan. I'm very I, impressed with you, Jen. I think I, I didn't even stop. I think I kept going a little bit. I'm making up for it. I didn't finish. Excellent! It was such a soap opera. It's so funny because I was reading this, actually. I think I'm probably the only person alive left in the fandom that was actually reading this <laughs> when it was posting. The rest died. So I know that she wrote it trying to show everyone how Harry Hermione didn't work. So I just got a big laugh out of the whole thing. Well, I love that everyone who refuses to read it because it's Harmonian, Vic. I'm like, it's not. It's really, it's really so not. So not. How, how awful they are together. Yeah, and it does not work at all. And they're so bad together. There. Well, the thing I love about the story is they're, they're all like considering becoming Death Eaters and they're worried the other one's going to go dark. I'm like, wow, this is early in the fantasy. But, you know, I keep having to remind myself that this was written, you know, after 
goblet, and this is a really long time ago. I mean, like, there are fourth graders out there that weren't alive when this was written. <laughs> I am going to take the night off tonight because I have had a day from hell. This morning, I get in my car, and I start driving. I'm like, wow, my car's a little unresponsive. You know, like, it doesn't seem like it's driving very well. I'll get an oil change, and I'll have them take a look at it. Well, I finally roll into the Goodyear parking lot on three tires because I got a flat tire on my way to work today. What is it with you and the flat tires? Well, now I'm down two tires. And I even said to the guy, do I need to replace the last two? He said, no, they're fine. I'm like, well, I believe you because you would try and sell me new ones, but wow. <laughs> so, I, so I get a flat tire. Then I get to work. I bite into something. I chip my tooth. So oh, now no. I'm thinking, oh my god, I need to get a crown. I need to do all this stuff. I'm trying to catch up on work because I was out yesterday and all this stuff. So I get to the dentist. He's like, um, you chipped your wisdom tooth. I'm like, what? Ooh. I have to have my wisdom teeth out anyway. My top two. They're, they're not impacted. I have a decaying tooth. Then Michael Jackson died. I'm like, I can't do this. Don't blame it on the sunshine. Don't blame it on the moonlight. Don't blame it on the good times. Coming on the boogie. Alright, so here's the deal. I am going to put myself on mute. Snark away, my friends. I'll be on the lookout for Kezo. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'm looking forward to the snark so I can handle it. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Excellent. For Friday, October the 2nd, 2009, only three months later, this is episode 89 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Been the two of us needed no more. We both found what we were And welcome back to Potter Pick Weekly. This is Jen 2. This is Melinda. This is Aaron. And I'm Death Row. And tonight we are covering more of Barb's trilogy, The Psychic Serpent. We are covering chapters 11 through 23 tonight. And I would have to say that this harmony stuff is really hard for me. <laughs> Tell me about it. They're, they're oh, really... They're they're really really bad together. They're but bad together the way they've been written. That's the point though. When Barb wrote this fic, I think I was one of the the few that was actually around back when this was still posting, and that was her whole point. She's not a Harry Hermione shipper. She wrote this to show how awful that they were together, and I think it's hysterical looking at it because they just don't work at all. Well, nope. thank God, because <laughs> it was either she was the crappiest writer, like romance writer known to man. Or she, or she just couldn't ho- decide who she was shipping. <laughs> yeah, it's fine because they don't, they don't work. Sorry if any Harry Hermione shippers are out there, but they don't work. And this was just her poking. They can work. They can work with a good author. Emphasizes the right positive interactions between the characters and doesn't let them go down a certain road. No, I think she shows all the the flaw. Like, there's no trio in this fic at all. There, there, it, it absolutely doesn't exist, and I don't. And think that throws that, me wicked badly. It, it, there can't be a trio with Harry Hermione. It, it just doesn't work. Ron no. is non-existent. He doesn't even. He barely has any lines. They put Malfoy as more of a role in the trio <laughs> than, than than Ron does. And Harry's just feeling guilty all the time. He just guilty, guilty, guilty. Ooh, I'm doing his girl. 
And then he's feeling so guilty that he can't do her. It's like he's he's got Ryan's erectile dysfunction all the time. He's like, <laughs> you know, one, one moment, one moment he's like, oh, I, oh, oh, let's go. He's got the prophylaxis potion on the head, and then the next moment he's like, oh God, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Ron is a big lumen boulder in between them, which is what he should be. Well, true. Yeah. You know, and then and then Hermione, she can't decide whether you know she wants to do Harry or kiss Victor or, oh, you know. She is a little tart in this thing, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what yeah. I found very interesting about the read is that contrasted to so many fics where Hermione is insisting, insisting, insisting that Crumb is not her boyfriend, in this he very much is. I, I find oh. it refreshing. Yeah, it, well, it is, yeah. But I think what I think is funny is how she keeps trying to pawn him off on Cho, and then when she finally gets him off on Cho... Then she, she gets mad at Cho. is going according to plan, and she's still mad at Cho. <laughs> yeah. She's bitching about it. Well, maybe when he breaks up with me. Well, he hasn't broke up with me. But I realized two days ago that I was on the podcast tonight. I was supposed to read chapters 11 through 23, so I just skipped rereading the first 11, and I just started on 11. I mean, why don't they just say, I don't want to go out with you anymore? What, what's the... what's The The big fake invented plot reason is that they don't trust Crumb to not go and join Voldemort if Hermione breaks up with him <laughs> because she's totally worth that. Well, but then they also, because of the abduction, they 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 wonder if when she was abducted, if he actually sort of was right. Yeah, he had some sort of role, and he was actually in cahoots with dark wizards. And if when she broke up, that would push him over the edge. This is the reason that they set Ginny up with Malfoy too, right? So they're basically well, going to exploit the entire teenage female population of Hogwarts to. Well, no, it, it's different in this case because Draco very much is going to become a Death Eater. He's just going to be turning a spy. He's right. he's going to be owned by Harry in this respect. It was very interesting the language of the writing. Yeah, but Seriously. actually, Malfoy pulled pulled one over on Harry about I that. I like that scene actually. I really like when that that whole thing when uh, Malfoy basically told him how it was going to be. I was kind of <laughs> I was kind of glad because there are times in these chapters when I was just ready to shake Harry. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was you want to shake a, all these characters at some point. These well, characters, yeah, you know, it, I think it, that means that the writing was good because when have you when have you ever had a teenager you haven't wanted to shake? Like just on principle, for being a stupid teenager. Well, they all act. I mean, there's, there's much more teenage hormones involved than in than in Hogwarts, which is understandable that 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 is. But but I mean, this I think it goes. It's like Porky's at Hogwarts. It's just a little over the top. <laughs> what it is? Yeah. They're releasing all the built-up hormones all at once. There's a line I think where, where uh, Harry. It's like, oh my god! It's like they don't ever think about anything else. Well, I just on my chapter go. eleven, my chapter eleven Gen two notes. It says, "Someone please." tell me this harmony fic is not just suck writing because Harry is the most confused horny kid I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's see. I had a line. Where was it? Uh, Ginny signs up for jogging club. Further details of how stunning Hermione has become comparison with Ginny just to drive home how conflicted Harry's penis is. <laughs> In regards to that, mine says, Hermione gets pissy, brings Jenny along to run. Harry can no longer think with his larger head. (laughs) (laughs) 
wait, he was doing that to begin with? <laughs> well, um, you know. I like, I like how Ginny comes into his thoughts no matter what at every inopportune moment. Yep. He cracks me up. <laughs> well, and uh, that more than almost anything else reveals just how much it's not a harmony fic and that from the very beginning of the fic, Ginny is always there in Harry's thoughts. In the summary. Yep. Yeah. Well, summary. yeah. Triangle yeah. here, triangle which there, triangle it, everywhere. But yeah. it, which makes it, which makes it ridiculous because death was there last week. Um, Aaron, you weren't, and Melinda, you weren't, but he was trying to, you know, he was trying to map out the prophecy. He was trying to understand the prophecy. Well, you know what? I've got to get the credit, though, because you got to remember, this is written pre-Order of the Phoenix, before yeah, there had been any mention of the prophecy. And she oh. got, you know, the prophecy's all wrong, but still she got it in there. That she it got a lot of good stuff, though. Yeah, she yeah, did. But you got to get credit well, on that. Yeah, Mike was talking about the tarot card reading, you know, that Trelawney did for Harry. And he was convinced that the older woman... Older woman. woman. <laughs> 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 it was not Petunia. It was... Oh my god. It was completely gross and creepy and disgusting and ew. And he was just yeah. arguing arguing and arguing and arguing. It's it's and petunia and and desire does not have to mean, you know, desire like a sexual desire. It could be a platonic, you know, just a love desire. Platonic There can be a platonic desire, can there? Anywhere. Kaz is trying to explain that desire and lust and the words, you know, in the in these in this reading has nothing to do with Pam Petunia. At all. <laughs> At all. <laughs> and, you know, and then I'm reading in these chapters, I'm like, okay, yeah, we have Cho and we have Hermione and we have Ginny. I understand. I understand. I understand. Yep. We have Draco. We have Neville. We have Ron. I understand. I understand. I understand. Aunt Petunia? No. Don't see her <laughs> anywhere. I don't think Aunt Petunia's mentioned... Oh, except in like, I think when he's reminiscing about <laughs> Dudley knocking his glasses off his face all the time. Well, and she, she's also mentioned in the Snape memories. I got the biggest kick out of the idea of, out of Snape and Sirius going um, to the Death Eater thing under Polyjuice's Lucius, Lucius and Narcissa. So how does <laughs> Snape and Sirius being the married couple just cracked me up? Well, that and they were they were arguing over who was going to go as who's who. Who's going to be the man? Who's going to yeah. be the man? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Snape was saying, "Well, I have to be Lucius because I have I have the the mark." <laughs> And Sirius is like, well, how are they going to know? Well, well, what if they call us? Well, if, if they call, then I need to have the mark. <laughs> now I've got this picture in my head of Sirius and Snape as an old married couple, like <laughs> at, at like 80 at a retirement home, sitting in a couple of rocking chairs, like <laughs> just, 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 just insulting each other nonstop. I, uh, yeah, I did get to that feeling a lot. I, there are some, there were some things, you know, other than the fact that, you know, I just, Hermione just made me insane during these chapters. Oh, God. I, yeah, I basically wanted to throttle Hermione in nearly every scene she was in in this whole thing. Serious. There were times when I just wanted to like hug. I I wanted to pet him. Wanted to <laughs> love him and love him and pet him and call him I George. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he well, shows I- he shows up at New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, he shows up. 
the the dark wizard. Sandy says the dark, dark wizard's gonna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they leave Sirius to be the responsible adult in that scene, and that that kind of cracked me up in itself. He's like, he's like, hello, like, I, hello, I'm a dog. I know what you are doing. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, <laughs> ooh, something about it. It just Hogwarts is, you know, like I think of McGonagall's well mannered uh, frivolity, whatever for the the Yule ball. Yet she's going to allow two fifteen-year-olds alone in the tower for the whole Christmas break. For the it's entire like, something, break. Something Tell just me doesn't about it. work here. You know, it's like the portraits are all over the place. They're going to be tattling on something. It's going to. It just for me, I was like, oh, I think this is a little too much freedom being allowed here. Well, mm. and tell me about it. What or who? Who else was it? Alicia and um, so Roger? No, Ernie Alicia, no. or Ernie and Hannah? Did Ernie yeah. and Hannah stay? They they were the Hufflepuffs that stayed. Yeah, yeah, Ernie and Hannah, and they walked awful. around all Christmas break with the, you know, the, the goofy grins on their faces. I mean, I know it's a soap opera kind of thick, but it just seemed a little a little more of a stretch than I could quite make myself go that, that this was somehow Hogwarts. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Hogwarts at all. Yeah, it doesn't. Feels like okay. some sort of strange teen sex comedy. I've got notes in here about the basic teenage sex comedy. I think Porkus is even the one that I used. It's just, it, it's your it's your basic teenage sex comedy at Hogwarts. I keep thinking of Dong Duck Doe from 16 16- candles <laughs> <laughs> and, and melinda's the only one that laughs Sorry, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen 16 candles since i was <laughs> oh, okay. been a while oh lordy what is it with the english class in this because i went to high school and there were parts of my high school english class that i didn't like and how the and this was one of them related to, to defense against the dark arts well i you know i wasn't really i wasn't all that keen on lord of the flies when i read it in ninth grade, and I'm not all that keen on having to, you know, read about it here either. I think the point of all the literature was that Moody was supposed to be um, exploring the nature of evil with them, and the, and he found, I guess, literature or muggle literature as a way to, to do that. I was wondering the whole time, where did Ron suddenly learn how to write? What in any uh. of the first four books has the indication that Ron could write a well-thought-out you know, English paper at all. It's thick otherwise, so they had to give him something to do. I guess. No kidding. And then he's writing all these, like, incredible essays, and, you know, and he's basically writing the essays and looking over at Harry and Hermione saying, I can't copy. Yeah, when did Ron get access to the internet to do plagiarism? (laughs) Because that's the only way he could produce these things. Seriously. The, The continued analysis of the Muggle literature is honestly boring the hell out of me in terms of trying to read this story. Yeah, I well, want to read about it. Harry's I, I, adventures I, I, and not it. stuff that I also covered in high school and or college because I'm trying to get away from the real world and the author keeps on dragging in her course syllabus. And stuff like this in a fic is, is really a big indicator to me that the author is just trying to fill space with something that they know about. Hmm. I, I would kind of agree. I mean... Obviously, she. I think she has a point for thinking that it needs to be in there, but it's boring me to tears. To mm-hmm. I, I, I've skipped. Too much. I mean, I think you know the the, the Harry Ron Hermione triangle. She's trying to draw some. I think the Draco Ginny thing is a little Romeo Juliet. So she's making a few comparisons in there. It just kind of went yeah. on and on and on. And Draco Malfoy is no Romeo, and Ju- Ginny's way spunkier than Juliet anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like you know she obviously cracked a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern joke you know at christmas time and i didn't get it so then i feel like i need to go back and reread hamlet no so now i feel guilty 
because so. I didn't get the joke, and now I need to go back and read Hamlet, so I need to figure out the joke. And, mm. you know, I read Hamlet a long time ago. Yeah. I actually had to do a paper on Hamlet. I wrote it. I think I got a really good grade, but that was like 20 years ago. I mean, <laughs> and that's fine. You know, we all had to do that in high school, but none of us went to a wizarding school. Do you know what I mean? So what's the, I don't know. To me, it just seemed a little too muggle. There's, uh, there's another direction you can go, though. I mean, she likes showing class a lot, and she does, um, so she does, in, in these case, in the case of Defense Against Dark Arts, does, you know, she goes the muggle way and, and shows us literature. If she'd gone the other way and started making up stuff, that can, that can tend to take you out of effect, too, when you suddenly have all these new, ma- you know, a million new magical things to, to worry about that are, you know, non-canon. You're not going to have to ever know about them after this fic. You yeah. Have, they invent entire systems of magic, and you have, you know, the people who try to imagine what arithmancy is like or something. Hey, hey, well, hey. I, I did a very good arithmancy. Thank you. You, you did. <laughs> well, and again I, again, I have to remember myself. This is old. This was written this forever is, yep. and ages ago, and we didn't know that, you know, Moody was a crack. Well, I mean, we did know he was a crotchety old bastard, but, you know, we didn't know how much of a crotchety old bastard he was. So she was just working with what she knew. Right. You know? and and you was- do, I have to, several times as I'm going through, I ha- you have to stop and remind yourself, wait a minute. We did, because, like, I got annoyed just at stupid things, like, about Ginny being tall and Hermione short, and it, like, or, or Virginia, Ginny's name being Virginia. Virginia, like, no, yeah. Or, or, Neville, or Neville's that, birthday. Man. Neville's birthday exactly. being Neville's February 29th. Ginny's birthday Jenny's, being April Jenny's 1st. Right, yeah. Uh, well, the, you got to roll with the punches. Well, and I think it makes it harder to remember that stuff too, because she gets a lot of stuff right. There's so many mm. things that are so cl- that that are that I think are close to canon or uh, very predictive. So many of them are cliches that were so popular in the fandom. But you got to. This was written long before a lot of those things even became cliches. Like I'm pretty sure landscaper Harry comes out of this. <laughs> <laughs> and even the 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 animage form, which mm-hmm. I think this was actually a pretty cool one. Yeah, it was, but it yeah. was before um, everybody was doing that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. this is still back in the days. Everybody thought that, uh, at least I imagine everybody thought that he would become an animagus in one of the, the later books, and mm-hmm. then disappointingly did not. But he did whatever. not. He never did anything with Parcel Tongue ever again. Ooh, Keza's here! Yay, Keza! Hey, Keza! This is still this is the, the characterization of Ginny. I think is is pretty good considering. That Ginny, ba- Canon Ginny, virtually didn't exist at this point. She right. really did. That was one of my comments. I'm actually fine with her characterization here because all we saw was a squeaky girl with a crush. She kind of gets the jo- the Cho characterization right too. Um, kind of over involves um, what's his face Crumb, but you know, easy mm-hmm. mistake to make after a goblet, I'd imagine. I have she to was trying to work back that during the dueling club when when Harry used that pass this curse on Cho. I really, really got unnatural pleasure out of that. <laughs> God. Had to be, but I did. I quite enjoyed it. Is there yeah. anybody out there who likes Cho? Um, I'm sure there is. Yeah, we no. used to actually have somebody here at FPFW. I think his name was Jake, who was a huge Cho fan, who used to get really, really insulted when everyone in, when anyone insulted her, which happened constantly. So it was really kind of funny. <laughs> Alright, uh, anybody else tired of the constant stuff uh, about, about Greece? I have one of my notes here for chapter 15 is that we get more Greek stuff. Oh, yeah. Greek. Well, but you, right. it started out Greece. It should accomplished. You said Greek and I'm thinking of the musical. I was like, huh? <laughs> well, no, but see, we started on that last week, Melinda, because I said that 
that Harry, after, you know, with the, the muscle shirt and the black, he looked like he was reminding me of Danny from Greece. So. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot that. <laughs> he was Hello. reminding Hello. Hey, hey Keza. Keza's Sorry, here. I was just waiting for the moment to break in. I'm here. Now you're here. Yeah. Ready to, to jump into the harmo- the harmony pool with us. Ah, uh, yes. What what are we up to? Well, actually, we've we've just covered this the first not couple. Jump in a harmony pool. Kath is going to be with Jen and I on this one. What is what what is our position? We're just kind of drifting. We're we've talked a little no, bit I about. No, I mean the- on harmony. What is up? You think I'm going to be with you? What's your position? We hate on it. Harmony. Well, we hate harmony, but this isn't really a harmony pick. This is this is poking fun uh, at harmony. No, it's not. No. Yeah, I was talking to Jen about this yesterday. She's either changed her mind in the middle of writing the fic, or she was deliberately writing really bad harmony to prove it wasn't real. That's exactly <laughs> what she was doing. She used to talk yeah. about it on her mailing list that she's definitely she was never a Harry Hermione fan. She was one of those people that didn't think it worked at all and she she did this perfectly to, to point out the, the, the flaws and why I'm it doesn't so work because there's no trio. I'm so relieved because honestly I'm reading it right and part of it is... Oh, what, what was the bit I really hated? Like, there was one chapter where I think the gist of it was Harry was asking Ron if there was any girl in this school that could ask to be your girlfriend, who would it be? And Ron's, like, refusing to tell him and being a real idiot about it and stuff. And it was about the whole Harry sort of sitting there going, oh, no, we're a boy, two boys and a girl, and this could never last. It's bound to be tension. And I, what I was thinking was I'm really glad that Joe Rowling didn't go that way, that she ignored that there could be tension because I don't think there has to be. And this idea... I I've seen it in a lot of fanfics that has to be tension if two of them pair up is just annoys me because I like the way it actually worked out in canon where they finally kiss and Harry's like thank you yeah it's about <laughs> like, time but see I think time, a Kevin. lot of the things that she tried to do in this fic is to poke holes at what was common beliefs in the fandom at that time and that was one that you couldn't have two, two boys and a girl be friends which again with this whole Snape is a vampire thing that was another one that she <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> God how many commonly held beliefs, you know, five years ago are just the most annoying things in the world right now. Virginia, well, I know Virginia. At, at one point she made the comment about graduating from Hogwarts and I don't know why that is such a personal peeve with me, but it's like, there is no graduation from Hogwarts. It drives me nuts. We read through Hogwarts for seven years. There never was one single mention of graduation. You think oh. that people would catch on after a while, but they don't. Every every other no. thing can be graduation and make crazy. I always talked to up to the fact that younger kids don't really pay attention to the older kids leaving the school too much. They more focus on themselves. I don't know. But, which uh, explains why Harry never sees anybody above fifth year. <laughs> the only people, the only people in older classes that are ever mentioned are people who are either prefects or members of a Quidditch team or integral to the plot. Well, that reminds me. This has got nothing to do with it. Rule number five on the Quidditch thing: how you can't have substitutions. Is that like somewhere like real? Like, is that a real yes. one or is that a made up? They yeah. Quidditch but- through the ages. Yeah. Oh, okay. Shows how much I've read Quidditch through the ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this was because I was reading Quidditch. that, going, "Is that canon?" This was written in, in, in the original in in Sorcerer's Stone. Wasn't Wood hit with a, a bludger or something in the middle of the, the first match against Slytherin? Uh, yeah, he yeah. was, and there was no I substitution. No substitution, so he, they had to play without a keeper. Isn't the yes. the Golden Griffin? Isn't that made up in this one? Yeah, oh, no, I think so. In the book, I have the book right here. <laughs> So that well, I think it, it, it mentions Griffins, 
but yeah, a specific but golden because, griffin. Because she bred it with a... She, she conjugated it. It's more lion. All it has of the eagle is just the wing, so it's it, it's bit... Well, the griffin is, for X classification, and originated in Greece and has the front legs and head of a giant eagle, but the body and hind legs of a lion. Yeah, see, it's not all lion with just the wing. There was a story about how Gryffindor, was it Gryffindor or somebody in Gryffindor bred it several times over with the just the lion part, so it became more yeah. three, three quarters lion and, and just the just the wing. Yeah, so I actually remember liking that when I first read this fic. I thought, yeah. wow, that is so cool. It's not really a lion; it's this golden griffin. Blah blah blah. I thought, oh, that's awesome. It oh, is. I don't know how I, I don't know how I feel about it now, but I remember thinking it was awesome. I probably still think it's awesome now. It reminds me of a lot of canonical creatures like uh, you know, like crups and uh, nezels, animals that are magical yet look mostly like real, yeah. you know, normal uh, animals. So they can kind of, so you can kind of understand how they could have blended in or been overlooked by humans over the course of centuries. Yeah, I love crops and measles. I think they're fantastic. Because you missed oh. our conversation about English class. Oh, English and class. Since, and since you are our teacher, yes. you are our staff yes. teacher. Tell us what you I'm thought about Defense Against the Dark English. <laughs> Defense Tell against the Tarklish. <laughs> You've lost me. You may have to explain it in words of one syllable for my tiny little brain. Why Movies was class. Shakespeare and Lord of the Flat and all that muggle literature part of Defense Against the Dark Arts? That was making me scratch my head. I was seriously going, because like, I've, got, I've got Lavender Brown's Ron in my head, right? And I'm like, oh, Ron's reading Shakespeare. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. And I'm like, yeah, right. And I'm like, oh, that's right. That's not canon, Ron. But I think it actually is because I can just imagine Ron like not enjoying Shakespeare. So I found it odd that he, he seemed to enjoy it in this fic, didn't he? He did, because he wrote all those really good essays. I am a little confused about, about why what? I, they are studying Shakespeare and stuff in um, Hogwarts at all. You know, Moody's concerned about the darkness of the human character and defense against the dark arts. And they're going to the opera in Hogsmeade. I like how they worked well. Dumbledore's card in there. Mm. To me, those things, Dumbledore liked them because they were muggle. That that was to me yeah. because they were muggle, and that's Dumbledore. I think you know floating I, against I, the, I the like the wor- I like the work in. I just didn't like the opera and Hogsmeade. No, I thought that was. I'm sorry, dumb. high school students sitting through it and being totally you know into it. it's like <laughs> well, it I'm sorry, there but were a lot of school tell students. Tell me what there. high school student is going to do that. The, I, Harry is not going to do that because it's specifically Harry, mentioned. Harry is definitely not going to do that. He's going to sleep through it. And yeah. and Victor got him because he's. You know his his posh role on the Dudley Cannon as the backup seeker. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that throws me out of the story every time it's brought up. <laughs> the backup exactly. seeker on the cannons. He's the best seeker in the world. He's playing yeah. second fiddle on the cannons. On the worst team ever. No, 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 the best seeker in the world, according to this fic, is apparently Ginny Weasley. <laughs> hey, I didn't I'm see her a- at a Quidditch World Cup, so she's a, she's a she's a ringer. She's a ringer. <laughs> She's ring, I found it very bizarre that, see, because to my mind, like, the human psyche, the darkness of it, blah, 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 whatever, defense against the dark arts is nothing to do with the human psyche. It's about who can throw the biggest, meanest spells, you know? So you don't need to understand the human psyche 
or anything to understand that as soon as you put a weapon in the hands of someone who wants a little bit of power, then they're going to use it, you know? Right. So clap. why do you need to, like, understand Macbeth? I, well, I suppose don't know. Isn't that the name of Macbeth? Mm-hmm. Or is it Hamlet? Hamlet? Hamlet and Othello, I think, were the ones yeah. we were talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, Macbeth was in the naming of the kittens. Ginny was a witch and had to have a cat with us. Ron picked up the kitten, like, two minutes after it was born, and I wanted to slap his head. I swear. <laughs> she's stupid. Well, <laughs> these are little things. <laughs> all those kids were picking up those kittens. That poor cat. <laughs> and I'm like, like, they should have been scratched from here to eternity for doing that. I'm just, this is not realistic. Anyway. Of all the things of all the things to be pissed at about being unrealistic in, a, in this, in this in magical cats. castle is the instinct. Well, if you've, ever, if you've ever seen a cat give birth, they go into the smallest, darkest hole that you could possibly find in your home. And then they yeah. give they give birth. And then, you know, they don't just do it in a bright room full of kids who are, you know, being loud and uh, What happens is you go, I haven't that's seen that's the cat for my two cat days. Did, my kid. The cat would not go into the corner like it was supposed to. My parents set up this whole little box in this yeah. tucked away corner. The cat would have no part of it. She kept leaving the kittens and following us upstairs because she wouldn't stay with the kittens. It was actually comical. Yeah, it's like, just like Keza says, you, you're like, where's the cat? Haven't seen the cat for two days. Like, my parents went away. I was 14. We lived in a small country town at the time and my parents went to Sydney for a week and we were staying like sleeping over at a, at a family that was a little bit outside of town and riding our bikes into school and then we'd stop and we'd check on our two cats on the way so I would have been 14 or 15 or something like that so I'm there and my parents have gone by mum by dad you know going off to school get on my bike and I go to feed the cats one morning before school and I can only find one of them. And I'm like, huh, yeah, she's been missing for a day or so now. Oh, maybe I'll see her this afternoon. Got to go to school, right off to school. Come back that afternoon and, like, my brother's with me and, like, he's a year older than me. And so I'm like, look, um, I can't find this cat. Um, I can't find Whiskey, so can you help me out? So we're searching, we're searching, and we're searching. And then the next day, the other cat disappears as well. Can't find both of our cats. And so we, like, put food out for him. Anyway, about two days later, mum and dad ring, hi, how's everything going? Everything's going good. And we're like... Yeah, yeah, we've got nine cats now. You know, <laughs> they left when we had two. And what happened was my cat had five. And because they were, we had a mother daughter, my cat had two cats, um, two kittens, and we gave one away and kept one. And then um, we hadn't obviously got around to having them neutered yet. And um, <laughs> which was unfortunate because then one had a litter of five and one had a litter of three. Well, we couldn't find them for a couple of days. And then we found them like in the corner of the shed. Yeah, we, that, we didn't even know they were pregnant. <laughs> and as soon as my parents got home, they whisked them off to the vet but but that's how it works and we're like yeah oh, look at all the little kittens yeah it's like they go they go into your closet and they like dig a hole in your shoes yeah you know you know we and- had one under a cardboard box oh one was under the wheelbarrow that's where it was like we had this wheelbarrow it was tipped upside down and um one of the cats was under the wheelbarrow in like the grass and stuff and one of them was under a box in the shed and they didn't come out for a couple of days yeah they came not, out, in, they were- not in the I common room like ron's reaction to the taking taking the littlest one that nobody wanted though that was kind of an awe yeah, Ron moment. Baby talk. <laughs> Dude, oh, yeah, but have you ever been confronted with an itty bitty kitty cat? Dude, he had, totally had all the chicks in that room eating out of his hands. <laughs> but Ron was always, I mean, he always, he, he talked horribly to his pets, but he always had a soft spot for them. But they're talking about how he kept the cat in his shirt and he'd sneak it off to class. And then when the, you know, the cat would mew and the, t- the teachers would not know where the mewing was coming from. And Ron would act like all 
put that little innocent face on and look around. It wasn't me. And then and then Harry noticed Harry noticed, you know, that he's getting undressed and that, you know, he's like covered with claw marks, you know, and the cat would just like claw, 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 claw up him and then, you know, Ron would just wince until he'd get up to his shoulder and he'd be like, Oh, kitty, 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 give me give give, give daddy a kiss. <laughs> I just it's cute, but I after, you know, the whole Crookshanks thing, I, I wasn't you don't I buy got, it. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, I I don't buy um, And I didn't I didn't think the that Crookshanks was a boy. Okay, so speaking of Ron and Cats, that, that reminds me of um Harry and Snape. <laughs> Because Harry's a cat. <laughs> no, no. It's just like there was a dead air, so I had to fill it. No, um, cats, I was cats, thinking cats. when I was, you know, I was thinking like Ron doesn't really like cats. Is the impression that I get from Canon? He's not a huge cat fan, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It could just be Crookshanks. I don't know. And yeah, no, Harry's not have... a huge Snape fan, right? So I find <laughs> it curious that people feel the need to redeem Snape and or Malfoy. No one ever redeems Snape or Malfoy. If they're going to do the redemption, they both have to be redeemed every single time. Well, see, I'm reading through, and I'm reading through, and Ginny's hanging out with Malfoy, I'm like, ugh, and I'm reading more, reading more, and then, like, Harry's feeling sorry for Snape, buys him a pensive for Christmas, or whatever the (laughs) heck it was he did. I'm like, ugh. And then something is up with Ginny, so Harry thoughtfully calls Malfoy for her, (laughs) basically saying, oh, that's right, when she was getting all the attention from the boys. He thoughtfully suggests that she would like to spend some time with Malfoy. I'm like, ugh. (laughs) And his talk has a chit-chat to Malfoy at one stage and says, you know, uh, oh, when he was going to get caught. He helps Malfoy not get caught by Filch creeping around the castle after he snuck up to Gryffindor Town. Oh, yeah, don't go by the trophy room because, you know, you'll get an (laughs) eyeball. I'm just like, hello. <laughs> yeah, it, you know what's going to happen because it's part of the fic, but it does. It all happens way too fast. It, yeah, that's no what I mean. It happens too fast. Like, why? I, why all of a sudden now? Are you? There's nothing major that happened to make all this switch. It, it, it and also, irritate. I mean, I know this is written before book six, but I think that Ron's reaction to um, Ginny kissing Dean Thomas is actually fairly spot on in that he's like, oh, get your hands off my sister. I don't want to see that and all that, you know. Ron is like, hmm, not happy about which witnessing this, not going to um, support this in any way, shape or form. And, you know, Dean Thomas is his friend and a Gryffindor. So Ginny starts hanging out with Malfoy at a younger age, I might add, and Ron just, like, doesn't say anything about it. I'd be, like, well, uh, no, 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 wait a minute. At, at, this point, at, at this point of the fic, he doesn't know that yet. No, but even if he thinks she's going to study, I mean, Ron knows that, doesn't he? Did I miss something again? No, he Ron just knows. thinks she's going to the potions lab to study. Yeah, yeah, he yeah but can you really see Ron? Ron would not just be happy with that. He just wouldn't. He, but he, he doesn't just know. He doesn't even know that Malfoy's tutoring her at that point. But doesn't he know she's in the dungeon with Malfoy? No. Not no, know? I don't think he does. There's no, no I, dungeon. Clueless. Well, Harry does. Okay. Harry Ron does. Aside, and, Harry and, does. And Harry accepts it too quickly. It's just like, yep. oh, okay, but you have a interest yeah, at heart. No, Harry's not accepting it either. That's why Ginny's in his thoughts constantly so much. Yeah, just it's think, like he's yeah. diddling Hermione and he's thinking about Ginny. Bad, yeah, bad, boo. Doesn't it make you snigger every time he does it? <laughs> yes. Boo. I'm just like, boo, Harry. Boo, boo. Bad, Harry. <laughs> well, every time he did with Hermione. <laughs> what? I've well, lost you, bless me. <laughs> well, every time he's, you know, around with Hermione, he's thinking about Jenny. You know, I'm just like, boo, stop, and stop. I- around are they i thought they were just kissing yeah, they are. Did I miss hello what do you think uh, yeah. what do you think sirius was smelling in the dormitory 
New Year's Eve. Maybe I just glazed over that because it was so squicky. Please explain. Did they do it? No, they no. did not. Not yet. That that, that oh. comes later. Oh, they were just oozing hormones all over the castle. Yep. Right. Did they do it? Did they no, do they it didn't in these chapters. Oops. That's just what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't think they've done it yet. No, they have not. As of oh. chapter 23, which is the only thing we're discussing up to, nothing has yes. further than kissing has gone on. That's what I it's thought. That's what I'm saying. Time. Yeah. The way Barb is writing this, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Oh. I was just. <laughs> You'll live through it, Jenny. You'll live through it. <laughs> I can't just, handle it. <laughs> just read through it really fast. That's me. That's it. where I got into trouble. I'm like, what, what, what? Because I read through it really fast. I was like, oh, Harry's kissing a body. Quickly, feelings that are supposed to be there aren't, though. You were getting really into the fic. I am. No, I'm still into the fic. I just don't know if I can read Harmony Sex. Hey, I read POU and they do it for three hours. <laughs> but you can handle, <laughs> you can handle a, little, a little bit of a fumbling every, every room in that, that, that 12,000 room house, every room they do it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's just, I just keep thinking back to the tarot reading, you know, where Ginny's going to keep herself pure. Yeah, well, it's one of those fan fiction cliches that I guess Harry doesn't have to keep himself pure as long as... You know my favorite reviewer who has to have Ginny pure, and Harry may sow his wild oats wherever he pleases. <laughs> Ginny must remain pure and virginal and white. But Harry can use his... Much- because everyone thought her name was Virginia. <laughs> That's where that comes from. And Harry can use as much prophylaxis potion as he would like. <laughs> does Madame Pomfrey just even ask, or does she just have a, a water cooler full of the stuff? Because she's you know what I actually, the water cooler. You know what I actually envisioned in my head? You know, like those uh, hamster bottles on cages? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of imagined just, that, it, that it was on the wall. Could up with a better name for the potion? Uh, <laughs> like, I just... I, I I could just see it in the big bottle, you know, on the wall outside the infirmary. And yeah. the girls, you know, can just come by with a cup and get themselves, you know, just like it's like a tea. Like a tea. <laughs> kind of like a, a, a drink dispenser at McDonald's. Yeah, come by and get them a little potion. Ah, oh, last night was eventful. Uh, knock, oh. knock it back. And knock it back. Oh, I see you're getting your potion this morning, too. Oh, do you have fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is magic. Couldn't somebody have changed it that it's the guys that have to take the damn potions? It's just sitting with this extremely just, patriarchal. The whole, the whole idea of the water cooler and, you know, the girls around the water cooler, it, it just stuck in my head. They're little paper cups, you know. Everybody's standing around knocking one back in the morning. They can take five doses at once and it'll last for up to three years. I'm thinking, boy, that's some wicked sperm. (laughs) Well, it has to protect against Harry. Yeah, he's got super sperm and a magic cock, apparently. I love this listening to the season finale. I haven't managed to get my way through that one yet. That, that's quite a slog, by the way. It is. Oh, well, you know, you know yeah. her, her mining goes and gets her little paper cup, and all the girls, her eyebrows are going up. And, oh, wonder who <laughs> she is. Yeah. 
<laughs> then she goes and gets like four more drinks and they're like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> that's how it tips off that she's doing Harry. So, uh, Harry, yeah, that's how <laughs> She obviously needs a super strong strength. <laughs> and can you imagine all the girls who've never, who've never been there and like all the other girls are looking, I see you haven't been to the water cooler. Still, you know, pure. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there's that crack. There's that crack about care for magical creatures and, and how Jenny says something about how they're doing unicorns this year and not the the golden geese because uh-huh. Hagrid was afraid that they couldn't do the golden geese in fifth year because some of the fifth year girls wouldn't be able to to, to deal with the unicorns because they weren't virgins. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was in there, I'm sure. Yeah, apparently. No okay, one. Where did that come from? I just have to ask that because I know it's this thing that, you know, like if you're not a virgin, the unicorn like won't go near you or whatever. You know that. Is that like real part of the myth or is it just a fandom? Yeah, that's real mythology. Is it really? I don't think it's stated explicitly in in canon. It's not explicit, but but there is a a line about the the unicorns. They won't go near the boys. It's only the girls or something. Yeah, Yeah, but that's not not got to do with who's had sex. Because I've read stories where, you know, Hagrid brings a unicorn to the care of magical creatures class, and they're going along, and it gets to, like, you know, like a pansy Parkinson or or Lavender Brown or something, and the unicorn goes, and, like, rears away from them. (laughs) And like that's how you know, and and it's like, why do you think Hagrid does this in third year or fourth year? Because the kids who are older than that have all had sex, you know. (laughs) So, uh, anyone who was going to fail this test would be smart enough to skip class that day. So why did I? Why did I just get there. this mental mental picture in my head of the unicorn like Bill the cat? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I can't remember what thing it was. But but it was like there's Ron, been several that have done it. There was this one where I think Ginny is put up into Ron and Harry's year, and Hagrid brings the unicorn along to class, and the unicorn won't go near Ginny, and Ron has an absolute fit and carries I'm sure on. <laughs> I'm sure I've read that somewhere. <laughs> If you haven't, if you haven't, I'm sure Total. you will. Yeah. It's out there somewhere in the ether. It's out there everywhere. There's tons of- no, I've read that. I've read that thing. I, just, I don't know what it was or where it was. Okay, I've got something about the Christmas party. For all of Harry and Hermione's talk that we can't be seen together, they are being incredibly, incredibly stupid. <laughs> they're at a party where lots of other people are looking for empty rooms, and they're going to go into one of these rooms and <laughs> whatever. Something, yeah. And they don't want to be discovered, but Harry discovered George and Angelina. <laughs> and I notice here that Harry is very fascinated with George's bare chest. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what my Gen 2 notes say? Katie Bell has a Christmas party in Hogsmeade where everyone shags. Dude, Angelina was down on George. <laughs> signing up for the dueling club and how like George couldn't sign oh. Fred up so then Fred's like too far down the list and blah blah whatever and they looked like, really sad and Harry is contemplating how the twins always did everything together so except Angelina although she started out as a joint project <laughs> <laughs> just made me laugh and laugh and laugh I just thought it was really funny well, and, the, and then he opens the one door and he finds Justin Flinch Fletchley <laughs> why is why is Justin always gay? Hey. <laughs> 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 
gayer why than is, a maypole. Why, why is he always the gay one? Always. <laughs> I don't know. And why was George going down on Angelina instead of Justin? You know, they've got a thing going on. <laughs> Anyway, you know, he's like, he's like, he's like, well, it's it's the Ravenclaw prefect, and Hermione's like, well, the Ravenclaw prefect is Cho, and Harry's like, the Ravenclaw prefect, (laughs) and and Hermione's like, oh, 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 oh." (laughs) and then she's like, oh, they make such a cute couple. <sighs> and you can you can hear you can just feel the squick and Harry going. I just saw that. No, thank you. He has no problem staring at George's naked chest, but this bothers him. Got it. Hey, George's oh, naked don't... chest was beautiful. <sighs> beautiful. <laughs> well, we don't, exact... <laughs> we don't exactly know what he saw. It's only left to our imagination. It could have been anything. They could have been playing cards in a really really homosexual way, <laughs> or they could have just been sitting there. <laughs> They were or, exchanging life lessons. Yes, yes, yes. Right. But I just want to know, you know, is is this the fic that made it? Is this the fic that made it that Justin Flinch actually was gay? No, it was P.O.U. P.O.U. It's got a Paradigm P-O-U. of Uncertainty. Yeah, but was was this one written before P.O.U.? About the same time. I think P.O.U. was written before. Because P.O.U. started off. This one was written in 2001. P.O.U. was first published on July 14th, 2001. Psychic Serpent was July 15th, was when was uh, first started July 15th, 2000. But Justin was gay from the first chapter of POU, but we don't really find that out until, you know, further in. Wow. But didn't really? we, weren't we saying last week, weren't we saying last week that Barb and Laurie didn't they know each other? Yes, they do. And, stuff? and yeah. Cassandra they Claire is also a part of this little society. Right. Yeah. Right. Those two are so just one day apart. That's crazy. Yeah. See, and, and it's like that thing, like, you could create things and it sort of becomes the things that become canon because people have all decided all together that that's how it's going to yeah. be. Right. And yeah. they have enough you read something, it makes sense, and you decide yeah. to go with it in your own story. And yeah. And you just two friends do that, and then they do it to two friends, and so on, and so on. And yeah. Okay, so Harry has given Snape this pensive. Uh-huh. So he just de- he decides he wants to give Snape a pensive because he gets this brilliant idea that he'll what he feels sorry for him and he thinks maybe he gets some memories into the pensive or accidentally fall into some memories and find out more about his mom or you know he's not really sure but he's just gonna get a pensive and he's just gonna kind of sort of give it to Snape and he kind of sort of just actually give- does exactly what Harry wants because they always just do nice things for each other right right so he gives the- he gives the pensive to Snape. And later on, we realized that Snape not only, you know, knows that it was Harry, but actually watched Hedwig fly in with the pensive and drop it in front of Harry in the same box that Harry gave it to him in. And- <laughs> I, I tell you, it can't slip anything by Snape. He's a very observant guy. Harry is not a super spy in this. No, <laughs> contrary yeah. to the paradigm of uncertainty. No, uh, no. He, he needed to take some lessons from Hermione, super spy from Lioness. So he, he gets this cryptic note from Snape as Snape get, jumps on the Christmas train to go off and do his his Christmas duty with Sirius with the Death Eaters and 
he finds out that it's Lily Evans. He needs to go to Snape's. By the way, just go to my office, and you're in charge of the potion store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Snape has because- barely gotten over using Harry's family name without all sorts of colorful adjectives attached to it. <laughs> and now you're trusting him to go yeah. prancing around with boom slang skin and veritasera. When he thought that Harry was the one stealing it in Goblet of Fire. Exactly. Like he immediately yeah. Yeah. thinks it. And he, he's, Snape sort of has this thing. If something goes wrong, it must be Potter's fault. It must You know, like he blames everything on Harry, whether Harry and, was and anywhere not, in this. Well, and not There's a, a thunderstorm. It must be Potter's fault. And not only is he giving her, giving him the secret password to his potions office, he's also been showing him all the secret passages that get to and from the office. So and he, making the password his mother's name. Right, right. Well, yes. I assumed that it already was his mother's name. Mm. Mm, I yeah, don't no, know. No, I think he did that just for this. Yeah, I think he changed it because he said he changed I it. Can, I did can he? understand. I think what the author was getting at, correct me if I'm wrong, and I may very well be, that Snape has such a regard for Lily that he's willing to overlook that and treat Harry decently and he's doing all this for Lily, blah, blah, blah. Would that but be that's the general? fine and well, but where the hell has <laughs> it been happened? for the past three years? Yeah. That's How what I'm saying. There's nothing that's to show why all of a sudden he's changed. And second of yeah. all, why that last memory? The, the, you know what? It's one thing if you want to show how Snape and Lily knew each other, develop a whole Snape. But there was absolutely no need to show that last memory of, of, of the parents dying to the kid whose parents that were murdered in that scene. That, 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 that yeah, irritated yeah. me. Refresh me, please. What is this from? Probably chapter 20. There's a whole bunch of them in 19. And they give the, the, the prophecy, the flame-haired daughter of war. Hmm. Who do you think that is? I have idea. <laughs> I don't know. Can people in this some... universe are mightily <laughs> dumb when it comes to flame-haired people. Who? Who was that going to be? You know, even Draco Malfoy, who doesn't know anything, knows who flame-headed people are in canon. <laughs> can, I, can I just say this on the subject of prophecies? I don't pay attention to them in stories. I know they're going to be <laughs> built eventually, <laughs> so I don't really worry about figuring it out. I, I'm not one of those people who's breathless, like, who could it possibly be? It's like, come on, it's obvious, and if you pay attention. And I you mean it's not? It's not Aunt Petunia. <laughs> no, it's not Aunt Petunia. <laughs> no, no, Aunt Petunia <laughs> is Harry's it's deepest in, desire. Do you know that? <laughs> oh, 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 I was talking about Snape. Like, I don't think you. I think this is. You know, you can say what you like about the the things that Joe Rowling got wrong in a sense, in that that don't make sense, that don't quite gel. Not that she got it wrong because it's her world; she can do what she likes. But you know what I mean? There's a few things oh, I didn't. But the way that she handled Snape, I think, was one of the highlights of her seven book series because it was believable. Like this is the same sort of thing. Snape really has a regard for Lily, and he transfers that to Harry. But I like the way that it was handled in canon better than any of these things, where all of a sudden Snape and Harry become best buddies in all these fix because people are trying to redeem them. I like the scene in Deathly Hallows where um, I think it's Dumbledore is reading the newspaper and Snape is grumbling and carrying on, and and Dumbledore's like, "Oh, I find him rather an engaging child," and Snape refuses to see it. He just shuts down. Yeah, and similar comment in my note here is that yeah. I liked how JKR built the relationship between Snape and Lily without changing who Snape is. Yeah. yeah, because ultimately, on the one hand, he's Lily Potter's son, and so everything he does is for Harry. But in canon, he does it without changing his attitude towards James Potter's son. And I think that that was the tragedy with Snape, is that he had to reconcile the fact that Harry was the son of the woman he loved, and yet the man that he hated as well. And that is right. really hard. And I think that when Joe Rowling wrote that, she, she walked 
that balance perfectly because he still did it. Everything he did was for Harry in the end because he was doing it for Lily, but he still couldn't give Harry the, the regard that he would have given his mother because he was his father's son. Yeah. And I think he, couldn't he did it really past, well. He couldn't get past that he looked so much like James that he yeah. just couldn't get past yeah. that. Even, he, even he, if he, he had Lily's eyes. Lily's and it wasn't face. even just the looks. It wasn't even just the looks. He was prepared to believe that Harry would behave like his father and be arrogant and all this behavior like like his father as well. Strutting around the you know? school and so. Yeah, what because I, he was famous. What I want to know about Snape is when he was in love with Lily, he was hot. And when Lily dumped him, then he got greasy. <laughs> I think he was greasy before. No, because Hermione he was, just, was checking him out. She was he like, was just Ooh. taking better care of himself when he was Yeah, I know, I know, and I think that that's silly. Play ball on the beach, he had all the oil on him, and it, that's just you know, Alan Rickman working his way in there. And again, horny Harry, you know, he doesn't oh. really want Hermione, but he does want her. But then he's annoyed because she's checking out, you know, yeah, like no six, sixteen-year-old Snape. That got annoying I after a while, by the way. Hermione constantly being, uh, you know, being mad at Harry or Ron for looking at anybody else other than her. It's like she wanted everybody in, to, to to look at her and and be in love with her, but not have any, not not look at anybody else and not notice that there anybody else existed. It was just so because this isn't the same girl that had gopher teeth the year before. It's not. Well, well we, we talked a lot last week about Hermione being completely out of character. She's a well. See, I was writing an email last night because I've had a lot on this week and I've been trying to read the fic and doing everything else I do. So I'm, I'm writing an email to Ryan. I'm like, my child is of the devil. I can't wait till the play's over. Harry is a horn dog. I think that's all I'm going to say on the podcast tomorrow. <laughs> that's the only thing that's stuck in my mind. <laughs> well, mine too. <laughs> just it's just like, like, like everyone's he's in like, a clip. He's like Ron from Lavender Brown in this fit. It's like, oh, well, there's a pretty girl. I actually Ooh, had a, a comment that, that Harry was Ron. It, it, it's at the scene where the opera... Harry is having trouble keeping his temper when Crumb has his arm around Hermione and she has her head on his shoulder. Since when did Harry become Ron? (laughs) (laughs) I just, are boys like that? Fellas on this podcast, are boys really like that? I'm so confused. At this age, uh, I want to defend my gender, but I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, our our gender is basically indefendable. At At this age, (laughs) at all ages. wasn't sure because I'm just I'm just so confused because I keep picking up these figs and these boys are just so yeah and I'm just like are they like that well my husband's told me that every time the wind blows (laughs) (laughs) well I didn't I didn't really want to finish it yeah because it was (laughs) because this is a family show (laughs) well pretty much all the time so if it's all the time the every time the wind blows then if it's worse when they're that age if it's every time I have my son is actually yeah. going to kill me if he ever finds out I repeat this story. But uh, for those of you who have children, you have little boys. They're little members. Uh, get involved <laughs> <laughs> on occasion. And I was flabbergasted when I first had my son, not quite know all right, what what do I do about you know. And I kept you know just especially during diaper changes and all that. And I remember getting so flustered once, and my father-in-law was laughing at me, and I was like, "Oh my God, when does this stop?" And my father-in-law very calmly looks at me and says, "About ten Ever. seconds after we die." <laughs> Actually, the- well, see, I because I've been very surprised. 
surprised because I was expecting, you know, they tell you you have a son and, you know, he pees on all the curtains and whatever. My son never really did that, you know. Like, uh, I must have really odd right child. Born. First Sorry? thing he did. I said my son peed on the nurse first thing when he was born. See, my son. <laughs> never, I don't think they even got up to the table, yeah. You know, they have all these things and they show, you know, on the comedy shows and, and um, you know, the kid, you know, squirts up into the dad's mouth or whatever when he's changing them. <laughs> and, you know, my son never really did that. Don't lie. But Mr. Going says every time the wind blows. So if I'm thinking if you're 15 and it's more than every time the wind is blowing, then I kind of feel a little bit sorry for him. The average male thinks about sex every, what, seven seconds? <laughs> well, that's what they that's what they say. That's what they I'm, say. But you know what? Honestly, in a fa- I, I just that's not really what I want to read about. <laughs> that, that's what I mean. Like, I think it's. it's I think I'm spoiled by can't. It's like a little bit more. I think is normal, but but this one is just all right already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so. what I mean. I think that there are some fix out there where it's completely overdone because. When they're 14, 15, you don't want to actually write porn, right? Because, I mean, they're right. still, I mean, it's, it's they're still almost, kids. It's creepy. They keep it. You want to write about the And, uh, like, I would rather have it referred to obliquely and in, in a few places. Like, I know that we mock the Harry's chest monster, but honestly, the amount of times that the chest monster came up wasn't that often, and it's that sort of frequency that I think is more appropriate. Yeah, I'm not it, saying she couldn't have chosen a better I metaphor. I got but, a much bigger appreciation for Half-Blood Prince after rereading this again. Actually, I was yeah. like, all right, I, I, I like the way it was handled better. And they were just a little bit older. Yeah. Even 15 is still really young to make me feel like a little creepy reading about it. Well, yeah. and then. Like, we get it. He's 15. He's thinking about girls, but it doesn't need to be in every single chapter six times, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, just well, a hint of it here and there so we know that it's happening and move on to the action of the story. When Harry turns into his griffin. And the only thing Ron can concentrate on is the fact that, that Hermione was riding on his back. And it's like, okay, your best friend just told you not only that someone tried to kill them, he turned into a flying lion and flew out the window. And, and you're just focused on the fact that Hermione escaped this whatever happened to Cho because she rode on his back. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. It's like, put it in its place. Yeah, yeah. see, that's what I mean. It pops up in everything. And I don't think that normal people it does. Like, I think Ron's normal reaction would have been, are you all right? Oh, my goodness, you can turn into a flying lion or even <laughs> wow how big is your thing when you're a flying lion <laughs> <laughs> you know tacked on the end there you know it's a, it's a fly the, but or the, the jealousy that is erupting in this fic over all these things it, it's you know um, it's like they're seeing inappropriate things everywhere like Harry kisses Ginny on the mouth and I went <gasps> you know after the Quidditch thing and of course then Hermione like steps on his foot or whatever and then you know three or four chapters later after they haven't talked talked for 50 years she's like oh I know it was just you know in the heat of the moment when he was oh I'm, I was all wrong you know but I'm like why did it even occur like because he had taken that potion that? but I'm like I'm, what I'm saying is why did it take so long for it to occur to Hermione that Harry was caught up in the moment of winning Quidditch because in normal people you would think that it would be more like Harry kisses Ginny and and then Hermione's like oh and then within a few minutes she's like oh well, he's just been caught up and you know it drags on about it this is what I'm saying well that's because it's Hermione in this story and she's annoying and we don't like her and she thinks that's that right. everyone's supposed to worship her. She's moving I, her I, 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 Yeah, she's I get very her. confused 
it's confusing me because they're going out with Cho and Victor, but they're trying to set Cho and Victor up. But Harry's got feelings for Ginny, and then he kisses Ginny, and then Hermione gets upset with him. But then says, when but he's kissing Cho, Ginny's... He actually kind of likes it sometimes. He really likes kissing Cho, but Ginny's frowning at him more than Hermione, even though Hermione's his secret girlfriend technically. And he totally forgets that Cho was just sitting with Lucius Malfoy and is now being weird. I'm just like... Huh? Because to me, yep. Harry is the kind of person who doesn't get distracted by that. And I think that's why Half-Blood Prince works for me. Either all of a sudden, Harry, who is always about the saving people thing, Harry, who is always about his friends and, and getting the world rid of Voldemort and all that sort of stuff, Harry is almost distressed in Half-Blood Prince by the fact that he's distracted by Ginny. Like, right. he finds it hard to accept that. And it's sort of something that only happens occasionally. And in this fic, he's plotting ways to get rid of his girlfriend. I'm like, just dump her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mentioned at the beginning before you joined us, Keza, that, that I, I didn't read the first 11 chapters of this, so I was a little confused where the whole Cho and Victor thing came. Yeah. But then it got to be Valentine's Day, and, and I mean, that was chapter 2022 20, here I have in my notes. So it was, it'd been a while that we hadn't even had much mention, and all of a sudden they were, it's Valentine's Day, so they're all going, you know, because they're boyfriend, girlfriend, and I'm like, boyfriend, girlfriend, I don't think they've even spoken really in these chat. How did they get to be, you know what I mean? It just seemed very sudden to me yeah. that, all right, wait a minute, the last thing we saw was a dueling club where Harry used a pain curse on her, so why would she agree to go out with him to Hogsmeade then? It just, it was very I disjointed. How many relationships for 15-year-olds actually last that long, though? Like, I remember the breakup rate when I was about 15 at school was phenomenal. You know, it's like a week, two weeks, yeah. you know, and you move on to someone else. I'm like, this is month yeah. and mum. I'm like, at 15. And months who, and months trying to get rid of someone, not even. Yeah. It, but then if again, don't it's like months, it. they don't say hello in the corridors or anything. It's just very strange. Yeah. And, and one of Hermione's reasons was that she was worried Victor Crumb was going to come after or something. Like, well, she's at Hogwarts. It's like, the, in book one, Hagrid says there ain't no safer place except Hogwarts than Gringotts, right? So right. Hermione's in, in Hogwarts now, so she can safely dump Victor Crumb. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what? I just, yeah, I yeah, think it, it just sense. dragged on too much for me. I'm like, just let's move on with what's going to happen. Oh, my God. Somebody fell asleep. I can hear somebody snoring. <laughs> I wondered what that noise was, actually. <laughs> Aaron, are you there? <laughs> Somebody make a note. <laughs> Is Aaron really asleep? We bore him now. He's snoring. <laughs> yeah, Harry from my family. Glad I can amuse. Hello? Are you back? Hey, guys. Aaron, <laughs> I'm asleep for a little bit. I have to join us. <laughs> No, if this I made was a party. We would have dumped your fingers in warm water by now. I, I made the I made the newbie mistake of of sitting too comfortably in my chair at my desk and putting my feet up. Yeah, my face is red right now. So well, we didn't notice it until you started snoring. I mean, the, 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 it was unmistakable. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a blatant call to uh, end the podcast. <laughs> We've talked it's about the chat too long, when. You can't forget that it's still early. It is still early, and I think there's still more to talk about. There's plenty to talk about. I mean, there's plenty of stuff that you guys talked about while I wasn't even paying attention was falling asleep. So obviously Aaron, what have we been discussing? Go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop laughing. I don't think I could be any more use on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at her. 
hurts. Oh, it hurts. I, I left you in charge for one night. <laughs> it's not her fault at all. Aaron fell asleep and started snoring. <laughs> Did he wake uh, up? He's back. Yeah, I'm back. I, I, I heard people talking about me, and I realized... Oh. No, we were just talking. We're like, wait a minute, and they were like, so here. <laughs> I heard Eric talking in a while, like song. So uh, well done, and uh, carry on. <laughs> yeah. So why aren't you glad you asked to win the podcast today? So I think back in chapter 14, where there was something not related to Aaron falling asleep, <laughs> there's a quote from Dumbledore in the middle of chapter 14 here. In some ways, cats are merely owls that have fur instead of feathers. They fit into the same spot on the food chain. Although Minerva says she has never hunted in her cat form, and I believe her, I just can't picture her eating a mouse. Okay. Sorry, it cracked me up. I thought it was funny. <laughs> no, it was fun. It was, it was funny just when in I the middle of there, and it's just completely aside from anything. <laughs> sorry, about. I'm sorry, Death. It's just nothing can top me being falling asleep in the middle of the podcast. Anything else is just not as funny. It's just, <laughs> just, just not as funny. I'm trying to help you pass this. The least you could have done was laugh. <laughs> I, I, only just, I only just got back, so I wasn't sure what we were doing. I, I missed the memo that it was a funny. Well, but then the, there was the whole thing about when Draco was trying to justify to Harry that he was a voyeur. Uh, that was kind so, of funny. Which time was the Harry being oh, when he talks about going to? Uh, yeah, oh, speaking of Harry being a perv, he's got nothing on Draco though. Oh my god, the thing that come out of that boy's mouth. He's like, hey, great tip off on uh, on on Su- on Ernie and Susan. I got a really great show watching them in the trophy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, well, at least I admit it. Uh, that doesn't make it better. He's a skeevy perv, but at least he admits he's a skeevy perv. <laughs> no. That might be title worthy. Draco, Draco Malfoy is a skeevy perv. <gasps> I'm disturbed by this image. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a skeevy perv who's dating Jenny. A skeevy perv in leather. Just make Jen's and this skeevy perv in leather. And that'll take care of her. And yet, this appears to bother Harry and Ron hardly at all. <laughs> Ron doesn't Ron know. Doesn't know. Ron, does what? Ron doesn't know. Ron doesn't know. He should. Ron Harry should tell him. But he just doesn't know that he's with Ginny. <laughs> but wouldn't you think that Harry would tell Ron? Okay, I'm impatient here because to <laughs> me they're just not all in character. We've got Harry and Ron. He's worrying about how if Hermione gets with one of them, it's going to break up the trio because they're that tight. And yet he knows this thing about Ginny, and he doesn't tell Ron straight away. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. sitting on it for months and months but and months. That, he that aids in a bit. That it's in his thought. His thoughts are on Ginny far more than they're on. Hermione, and that, and that that's one of the good things. To what's me, going to happen if it was wrong? What are the Weasleys going to think? What's wrong? Ron going to kill? It, it, it is constant. But see, to me, Harry, Ron comes first with Harry. Like, I hate the way that fanfic writers ignore the relationship and the bond that Ron and Harry have. They, as soon as they think, oh, it's time for he's fifteen, it's time for him to will activate his erections and um, make <laughs> him think about sixty thousand girls at once. Right? <laughs> it's like Belinda Leo gives him a green light because you know to go ahead with the erections. <laughs> no, it's, no. I li- I re-listened to the uh, season finale. 
I'm quoting myself. It's not Melinda Leo writing erections. It's a Melinda Leo writing a tightening in the jeans. <laughs> yes, the tightening in the jeans. And this gives the fandom permission to give Harry erections, right? And it's like he it forgets his, his bond with Ron, you know? But, it's like but that's, all of a sudden that's all about you. But that's part of the point of this fic is showing that you can't make it a Harry Hermione fic without destroying the trio. And that's exactly what it is doing. Ron is not the, – the relationship between Harry and Ron is not there at all in this whole story. Story. And that's what I mean. You have to. It's not that. It's not that Harry's destroy the trio, trio, or like you know what they're thinking. You know, if Hermione gets to us, it's going to destroy our friendship. It's not the characters within the story destroying it. The author has to physically destroy it by stopping Ron and Harry bonding. And I think that's that's part usually of the point. how they do it. That, and that, that that's annoys the, the point. Why it doesn't work? Because it's not. These aren't yeah. the same characters that we know. Yeah. Because because the way I I see Harry, like even when he gets together with Ginny, what is the first thing that he does? He looks at he Ron. He worries about Ron. Yeah, right. and even and even between Ron and Hermione, they're both his best friends. They're they're, they're the trio all the way through. But it's still Ron he tends to look to first. It's, yeah. it's Ron, when they're all fighting, it's Ron's company that he misses more than anything. And mm-hmm. I have this image in my head. He's with Ginny. It's after the final battle. They're all they're getting up, growing up, getting married, whatever they're doing. And I have this image of Harry and Ginny actually having at least one, if not more, fights over when Harry takes Ron's side in something. Because it's going to take a while for Harry to balance all those dynamics. He's not going to automatically go, oh, um, you know, I, Ginny's Ginny's my girlfriend now, so I am going to agree with everything she says. There's going to be times when he is going to side with Ron or do something stupid, and he I and Ron, hope and you so. know, Ginny he wants. automatically takes every side. That that wouldn't that wouldn't hurt be a wuss. Yeah, what do you mean if he? Takes yeah, I don't want him to Ginny's do that. Side. If he automatically takes Ginny's side just because he's his girlfriend, I don't want that. Yeah, no, because to me it doesn't seem realistic. Because it seems more like there's going to be times when he's just not going to think about Ginny at all because him and Ron are doing a manly thing, you know, and Ginny's going to mm-hmm. be like looking at him and. He's going to, oh, um... Yeah, uh, I think it'll... And Ginny will, like, just leave and he'll be on the couch for the night, you know? Harry will have a lot of sex withheld from him in those first two years. (laughs) (laughs) I can just see that happening. Like, I know this is me and my fic again, but I I actually did that. There's at one point... Because this is how strongly I feel about it. I don't think it's going to get to after Deathly Hallows and suddenly going to be all rosy. But there's this scene where Ginny actually says at one point, because Ron's being an idiot and Harry is being an idiot, an idiot, doesn't know what he's doing, but and Ginny actually says something like, "Well, is this about you and me, or is it about you three? Do you need some time alone, you know, <laughs> to deal with whatever it is you're dealing with?" You know, basically, because I think that's more likely how it's going to go. They're going to have to work out how to balance all this when they're, you know, living normal lives, going about, you know, going to work and cleaning the house and stuff. I can just totally see there, there's going to be times when Ginny's pretty much going to have to go, hmm. <laughs> "Yeah, you three, sort yourselves out and get back to me," <laughs> you know. Jenny's not perfect either. I think she's going to have her own issues that she's yeah. going to have to work out about be, of still feeling like the, the little sister tagging along. She's, she's going to have her own yeah. issues of having to, to, no, to find where I mean. her own place is too. She's not perfect either. So I can, I can sort of see her going, you know, well, you sort it out and, and, and whatever. And then Harry going, oh, crap. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then and having to go, look, I'll deal with you later on. You know, I have to go fix this. Oh, you think of her more than you think of me. Yeah, well. <laughs> and having, you know, it's just, it's messy. It's going to be like that. 
And so I don't like Fitz where in this one where he's, she's basically just taken out. It's like she's just removed a whole chunk of the story and she's taken out Ron and Harry's relationship and made it non-existent. Harry has more of a relationship with Draco Malfoy in this than he does yeah, with Ron. The, 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 the trio is Hermione, Draco and, and Harry more than Ron's even there because if there's going to be a relationship between Hermione and Harry, they had to get Ron out of the way. There's a whole point where they, they, Ron and uh, Harry and Hermione won't even say Ron's name and it just, I don't know, it makes me uncomfortable reading it because that's just not the way it's supposed to be. No. Yeah, because even in Deathly Hallows when he left and um, they didn't say his name for, for ages, he was still pretty but much it was like there. They were <laughs> it was like Harry and Hermione were yeah. each kind of going about, but the, it was obviously the, the piece that, that made them a, a cog that moved wasn't there. It, it, it was yeah. It was his absence was a big, and in this fic it's like you don't even notice it. They just... Yeah, it, it should be noticeable when one of them's yeah. missing. Yeah, it should be. The only time That's they seem I... to notice Ron and is when he's being not Ron, reading brilliant essays in class. <laughs> true. Very true. Or talking baby talk to little tiny kitty cats. Yeah. <laughs> little Argent. <laughs> the one thing that kept bugging me that I kept having reminded myself again, this was before Order of the Phoenix and all, was uh, Hermione's perfect brilliance at in the dueling club. That's like, this is the <laughs> one thing that Hermione isn't good at. It was driving me nuts that she was so good at that. Yeah. Oh, you know what? The other thing I don't like is when they make Ginny taller. I was reading the thing and Harry's like, wow, they're going out for a run or something in the morning, which oh, that annoys me as well. They shouldn't go for runs. Um, <laughs> it's uh. just my personal prayer. But he's like, and Ginny, she's four inches taller than Hermione. I'm like, is that because it was pre-Order of the Phoenix? Because, yeah. Yeah, because that's she's, the line. She's actually we, described yeah, as being tall taller than is. Harry. Yeah. yeah. I, I, which I, is I, true I, for the movies, but... <laughs> <laughs> Poor Daniel Radcliffe, a little tiny yeah. man. <laughs> and my image of Hermione before Emma, Ta- Emma, Emma, whatever her name is, Watson. Um, Watson, was that Hermione was a little chubby. That was just yeah. always the, he- the image I had in my head of can- of book Hermione. Yeah, I don't know if I I, 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 I would go along with it. I think she probably would be. I don't think I ever had any image in my head. Because I didn't start reading them until after the movies are out. So I, I, I always have the movie people in my head. Okay, I have a question. Is Neville really? Neville? I don't think so because he has just <laughs> magically woken up and he's has good he totally, at everything he, he totally, now. He totally owned Harry. Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, no, it's, it's not supposed to happen until book seven, darn it. Okay, but there's some progression there. This was going yeah. from Oblet of Fire to, it was like, what? No, it didn't work. I, 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 think I had a hard time. That's what happens to a lot of, it's what happened to a lot of the characters in this video. I think that it's like everyone finished reading Goblet of Fire or Order of the Phoenix and then they wanted to move the characters on to the next bit but they didn't progress them in a lot of fix I think it's happened they can see the potential I mean you can see the potential of Neville being this fantastic guy but you have to build him up to that you, you can't take the Neville at the end of Goblet of Fire and suddenly make him the end of book seven in Neville it doesn't work well right I mean Harry has literally walked all over everyone including Snape yeah. I don't and think that's that- realistic either by the way no. well, but it's- I don't think Harry's that good at dueling, to be honest. No, no, I could see it not beating Nape. I could see him being ahead of all these other kids. And even that happened in canon because Harry took over the DA and he was better than them enough to be their teacher. Yeah, but but he had to to beat Snape because of the... He had to beat Snape because it was a plot device. But yeah. so he's he's obviously in this fic, he's good enough to beat Snape, who's obviously awesome. 
and <laughs> right, and then he's walked Comics. all over every. He's walked all over everybody else, and then just Neville just like pops in and owns it. <laughs> well, I think guys. people want yeah, to see Neville. That's not very consistent. No, uh, Neville work. does, in in his defense, does use a spell that Harry's never heard of uh, to you know excellent effect. And think about how 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 well Harry used the one spell uh, was it Inverso or whatever that caused them to to think they were upside down. It was basically the same thing, just a spell that Harry was unfamiliar with that was hey, causing... I have a question. You know, you're unfamiliar with a spell, right? Um, and, and often people use that as a... Authors use that as a way to... The person loses the jewel because they don't know the spell, right? I'm thinking, just cast Protego. I don't know why <laughs> nothing can be blocked with Protego. How many times have we seen Harry do, like the Inverso? That, that came from the maze in the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. Harry figured that out on his own, you know, without it did really take him that long to figure out how to fix it. So it just, again, the whole Neville thing just is like, no, I, I can't buy this. I really could. Well, see, well, I mean, it, to me, the only spells that Harry casts in a duel are Expelliarmus and Protego, right? <laughs> That's the only thing that Harry casts in a duel in canon, as and far pass- as I can remember. Oh, in canon, okay. Right. Well, you know, you put him with Voldemort and he casts Expelliarmus. Voldemort and Bellatrix, whoever, you know, he casts Protego, right? This is what Harry does. He's defensive. He's not offensive, you know? And I, I, I actually get really frustrated when people make him in fix it really offensive because he's not. He's defensive. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I don't understand why, oh, Harry's never heard that spell before. Bam, it's got him. I'm like, he would cast a Protego. He would defend himself because that's what he does. He defends. So this is why I think I hate dueling clubs and dueling scenes because I don't like the way people write them because I don't think Harry's ever in character. Well, I'm just not sure that Neville is really Neville. You think Neville summoned under Polyjuice or some other I don't um, know. I think he's field? I think he's fake Neville. He's, he's not he's horny fake. enough for this fake. Fake. Yeah. <laughs> Linda has nailed it. <laughs> Who is Neville going around with? I don't think it ever says. We we have definitive proof that Neville is not really Neville. Mm. I'm just I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you that that he's all of a sudden he's changed. He's completely different. He's knowing all these new spells. He's gotten good at potions. He's brave enough to approach the Golden Griffin when the only other one is Harry. Yeah, he's 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 doing all this strange stuff. So it's Poly- bad character development or polyjuice or something. Is that what we're saying? But maybe not. Still not maybe not. Credit for is remember this is still pre Order the Phoenix before we knew that Harry and Neville were the two in the prophecy, prophecy. that it could have been. Very, so I very think you, you got to give her credit for 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 doing that too. No, but I, I it could also be you know he could also be imperious. Do you get back- but would imperiousing him make him good at all that stuff? I don't think so. I don't think maybe, maybe someone stole him and drilled him in all this stuff and then imperioused him. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Merlin came back with a time turner, stole Neville away, took him back <laughs> to the past, trained him up, and then altered his appearance because he's been away for 15 years training. Altered his appearance back to a 15-year-old boy and brought him back to the present to defeat Voldemort. I, like right. I think we have a winner, folks, right there, Keza. <laughs> Discovered ding, ding, it. Ding, ding. And ding, ding, ding. it also means that Neville's like 30 years old. Right. So, so he's, a bagel. he's not allowed to look at any of it. That's right, he's a bagel. He's a bagel. <laughs> <laughs> Neville is a bagel. 
see I did all that. There's no proof at all whatsoever in the bit. You can twist anything. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I'm, I'm not feeling that Neville is Neville. Okay. He could, okay. Be, like Eddie. He could be like Eddie in um, Lavender Brown. He's Write down the exact back. time you said that. Yeah, we can He's we can add Jen's back. predictions to Mike's things, and we'll see which ones come true. Well, I desires oh. Petunia, and Neville's not really Neville. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think those are both excellent predictions. Maybe I'm Harry really desires set. Neville. He's not really I'm... Neville. Maybe Neville is Petunia. <laughs> she's really a I'm secret not... witch. I'm not really saying that the Neville is a Neville is a pre- Neville's not really a pre- prediction for the future. I'm just saying, not saying that Neville really has to be a major plot point. I'm just saying Neville is not Neville. Something's and got me ha- hacked off about Neville. Neville's just not in character. <laughs> You're more hacked off about Neville than Hermione. No, 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 no. No. And as I would say last week, I should probably start referring to her as Hermione. <laughs> yes. I was oh, calling her last. <laughs> now, now she's not charging money. <laughs> no, Hermione is way over the top in this. Well, I'm waiting for Hermione to come down with mono like Katie Bell did. <laughs> it's the kissing. Someone says like disease. Mono, mono, something, and Hermione's like because <gasps> <laughs> she knows all about. It. Well, then who was it? Who else was it that was like she's got what? It's like oh, half, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everybody's all like, concerned. Harry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, to tell you, Harry comes to some good conclusions in this in this fic. He's always thinking and he's figuring stuff out. I mean, he yeah, doesn't, he's, he's not perceptive, which I didn't pick up from canon no. at all. Uh, that Harry is perceptive. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, he's not very perceptive about Christmas presents. Oh, he, yeah. He got Hermione bookends. Well, I, I understand his logic behind this, actually. And amazingly enough, Harry is using logic in the situation. He and Hermione are not supposed to be seen as being together. So he got her a gift that's perfectly suitable for anyone to look at and say, Oh, the, what a nice gift Harry got you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was thinking with the brain in his head, which for is once. a nice change of pace for him. Does it say what he got, Ginny? I don't remember. No, I don't think so. Because I think that would have been interesting. Oh, oh. I'm sure he got her like a diamond necklace or something. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what friends get their best friend's sisters. Well, I loved that Jenny got him the house on Pooh Corner. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved that she got him the Pooh book. I kind of like that they had the muggle book. literature. Yeah. Why does Jenny know about this? Uh, Somebody refresh me. Why does she know she about muggle fairy tales and such? She shouldn't, she shouldn't know about it at all. But I did like Harry's reasoning for why Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is his favorite. Yep. Yeah, but well, Harry, would know, Harry would know about it, though. Harry would know, because Harry that was the one thing that, that Dudley didn't touch with the book, so he always had access to the book. That's fine, but Ginny should have, there's no reason whatsoever she should know about muggles anything. But uh, her dad does work in the Misuse of Muggle Artifacts office, and he does have a fascination with them. So it's possible. But not books. Not but yeah, and Ron doesn't know any of the the, the normal muggle stuff. So it doesn't make any sense. No, I, I don't. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, all right, you got me. Speaking of people <laughs> figuring things out, there's a a line in chapter seventeen where Harry is wondering if Hagrid suspects his Animagus Tragen. So uh, Hagrid, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does everybody just magically gain deductive reasoning skills here? Shouldn't have said that. 
That's what I was thinking. I should not have said that. <laughs> you know what my kids said to me the other day? They were watching, um, I don't know, Philosopher's Stone, I think, um, and, it had, you know, Hagrid's line in that. <laughs> my nine-year-old turns around to me and says, Hagrid's not very smart, is he? <laughs> <laughs> he says the wrong thing all the time. She's telling me. <laughs> I just laughed. Uh, anyway. Poor Hagrid. Oh, he means Phil, though. Yeah. <sighs> poor a, Hagrid. A very crack sort of ship, and it's Dobby and Hagrid, and it's the SS shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> You're creepy. Ew, ew, ew. Ew, 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 ew. ew. That was sound like characters of high school musical three. Ew, 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 ew. <laughs> that was squickiness happening. Okay, so Harry spends all this time having hormones, gets to Christmas, has the tower to himself with Hermione, and then spends the whole Christmas break finding ways to avoid being with her. What's that, huh? I thought that he was very excited about being, you know, they'd watch everybody, bye everybody, bye Draco, bye Ginny, bye Ron, oh, we've got the tower to ourselves. Like, wasn't he looking forward to being the only two Gryffindors in the whole castle? You'd think. You're very nervous. He was nervous about it. Yeah, but for two weeks? Get over your nerves. Yeah, I mean, he just, like, totally that, that, hides. What the huh? <laughs> I think that's unrealistic that um, they'd be the only two there. But I guess yeah. everyone's trying to avoid Boxing Day, aren't they? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I think if I was there, I would avoid Boxing Day because the whole house elf thing just really, really oh, gets on my nerves. You know, one of the things that annoys me about Hermione is spew. Well, I am yeah. totally on Ron's side there. Like, <laughs> often I want to whack Ron in the head, but not that time. Harry was never all that into the, the house elf fight. Hagrid told Hermione point blank that she wasn't in on this, yet Hagrid is there with Hermione doing the whole Boxing Day thing. It, it, it Again, it's an inconsistency. Yeah. Yeah, I just, all the elves, they didn't want to be free. You can't make them be free. They flip out when you try to make them be free. They, like, go all spastic elf-like. Just stop pushing it. It's like, you're just stressing them out. Poor little elves. You know, <laughs> that's how I feel about Hermione and Spew. I'm like... You can't make elves be human. You can't put human traits onto another species. Just Harry stop. Can. Yeah. Look at the speech he made. And all of the elves are like, wow, I never thought that maybe I could be free. Oh, yeah, they'd all instantly turn just because Harry's oh, oh my god! And you get hints of an elven army fighting in the war. And I'm thinking of little Dobby with a short bow shooting, like, toothpicks <laughs> at Voldemort. <laughs> or creature, creature with a frying pan. I've seen Lord of the Rings. I'm saying creature with a knife, you know, because that actually does happen in the end. But here's the thing, right? The way I see it is that, yes, Malfoy treats his house elf like crap. Like, Dobby is not treated well, right? I accept that that is wrong. Um, Winky also not... Well, I don't know that she was necessarily mistreated, was she? Am I reading it wrong? So, she, she was very devoted to Crouch. Yeah. Yeah, like I think it's yeah, actually all her a rare... problems came after she got fat. She she was yeah she was fine. yeah. And so for me, and like Dobby is actually very dedicated to Harry because he sees Harry as someone important who did something for him and stuff. And, and creature for all the fact that he's annoying, um, because he's so creepy. Um, he is actually very loyal, really, when you look at it. Um, and he when he's not mistreated, like I know that's the thing. Thing. Um, in the end, when they're not mistreated, you know, I don't get problem with them being in the position that they're in. 
because it's actually rare people who mistreat them. You know what I mean? Right. And I actually find it interesting that, um, you know, Hermione is all on this spew thing. Um, but I mean, the Hog, the elves at Hogwarts aren't being mistreated. No. And, um, but I mean, Creature is by Sirius. And then, you know, I don't understand Sirius. her passion. Seattle's on him or anything. I think he think, just ignores yeah. him as possible. Yeah. Dumbledore made the comments about indifference and neglect is sometimes worse than, than, than outright cruelty or something like that. And that line always struck me is like, how can Dumbledore say that when he stuck Harry with the Dursleys all this time? That, 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 yep. that line. Dumbledore doesn't let hypocrisy made. bother. <laughs> hypocrisy for the greater good is worth it. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You've lost me. I've, I've, what did he, what did he say? He says about house elves. It was a line in, in Order of the Phoenix when it, it was at the end after Harry had destroyed the office about, yeah. they're talking about Sirius and, and the way he treated the house elves and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And Harry was trying to defend Sirius, and Dumbledore just makes a line about how it was it it was worse the the indifference and the neglect that he showed creature or something. And I always I remember thing. being stunned, like how can you sit here and say this to Harry, who you're the one who's stuck with these Dursleys all these years? It just well, it blew my mind. See, then then when he goes though at the beginning of Half Blood Prince, he goes and he he says um. Uh, he, he's talking to them. He basically says that the neglect is <laughs> what has made Harry what he is and not as, as Dudley, doesn't he? Yeah. In effect. Right. He's like, you didn't look after him the way I wanted, but he's turned out all right. It was just more than we can say for Dudley. Just you know, it like seems a air- polar opposite to what he's just said about the house elf. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, it is. It's completely, he, yeah. he just, it, it's, uh, it doesn't, uh, it didn't work for me. I'd never really noticed that. So that's, <laughs> uh, that's why I was like, but uh, Hermione annoys me no, with I- her house thing. And I think that she should like concentrate on something like useful, <laughs> not <spew. laughs> like getting rid of death eaters. Yeah. That would be very right. useful. That would be awesome. Not becoming one. Yes. Because that would be stupid. I can't read a fic where Hermione becomes a death eater. <laughs> Are there fics where Hermione accepts her as a death eater? She yeah, Lioness springs to mind. I couldn't read it. I could not do it. <laughs> Just couldn't do it. I-, I haven't even tried on that one yet. Well, speaking of out of character Hermione, I, I know we're not doing Lioness and they've already done it, but that, that's what I found. I was just, she, her reasons for becoming a Death Eater, even though, I mean, she was still on the side of the good people, were just so unbelievable. And it was the, it's that whole, um, splitting apart the trio thing as well. Like, in order for Hermione to do this and get with Severus Snape and all this sort of stuff, you have to basically cut off her relationship to Ron and Harry, like, and make it not there. Ron and Harry sort of just go, oh, well, Hermione's, you know, oh, we're a bit concerned. Oh, well, let's move on. You know, and and Hermione is doing all this. Oh, they, I'm doing this for Harry, and I'm like, does it ever occur to you that Harry and Ron would not want you to do this? They would rather die than have you do this. That that's what I had a problem with in there. But that's not this fix. So, um, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. Does anyone want to discuss Draco's initiation? That was in the dream. Harry saw that in the dream. I like the Harakiri curse. I thought that one was kind of interesting. It most definitely was, and I really like how Draco. This was talked about in the text of the story, but he did a horrendous curse that would satisfy Voldemort's perverse kick there. But it's not one of the three illegals in Britain. And I like that those three unforgivable curses are only of that status in Britain. So you get this hint of 
wizarding society beyond the islands. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense, actually, that they that they wouldn't all be the same everywhere, I guess. Differences yeah, in culture. Yeah, different laws and different cultures, exactly. I don't know. I think I think Avada Kedavra would still be illegal in anywhere. I mean, it's killing Probably curse. is. But well, I mean, in our be, society... Like, like, the Harakiri might be illegal in another country, but the Cruciatus well, event or something. Do you know what it, I mean? It, it, yeah, yeah. Japan, it is an illegal curse. I hadn't really given that a lot of thought, to be honest with you. I skip over Draco bits. I skim them. <laughs> Don't put any deep thought into them. I'm too busy going, ah, Hermione's a whore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it also, I don't, I don't care as much about Draco. I honestly, it, it, it you know, it's interesting in how it relates to the story, but, but I, I don't, you know, if he becomes a Death Raider or not, if they kill him or not, to be honest with me, I just don't care. So it doesn't I, I get as into the story when it's about him. I find it when it's a point of view, Harry point of view story, not, not so much that I don't care, but I wonder why Harry cares so much sometimes. Yeah, that was one of my earlier comments. Uh, it seems like without explanation at all that Harry and Draco are suddenly BFF. But not not even that. But that uh, like in this fic, I think maybe it's the fix where where they're doing the whole redeeming thing uh, of Snape and Malfoy. That Harry suddenly cares and spends time thinking about them when he doesn't need to. Like to me, I guess I've got Canon Harry in my head. Like Harry is convinced in Half Blood Prince that um, Draco is a is a junior Death Eater. Right, he's absolutely right. convinced. No one else cares, and they won't listen to him. And that must frustrate the heck out of him, because he's right in the end, isn't he? Basically, yeah. he's on a mission for Voldemort. So I guess I f- that's why I find it um, when when people, because to me, it's sort of like Harry is like, yeah, he's a Death Eater, and I don't trust him as far as I can throw him in, a, and he follows him around to find out what he's doing. But he doesn't want to spend time with him. He doesn't want to hear what he has to say. He doesn't want to know the details. So when yeah. it comes to a fic and they're giving all the details about Draco um, becoming a Death Eater and, and all these rituals, whether it's in a dream or, or, or whatever, it just doesn't strike me that Harry would care about those details. And where did it happen? Because like I said, I didn't read the first 11 chapters. But even so, something radical hasn't happened to change this so much. You know, at the end of Goblet of Fire, there was no love lost between those two. So so where did this come from? It came from the ether. <laughs> Quite honestly, there, there, it didn't come from anywhere except Barb's pen. There was no story event to change this. It was just all of a sudden, yeah. Rico was thrown into the mix. That's what I mean. That you have to have an event that makes, like, even in a year like none other, right? Which I have read, by the way, from what I remember, because it's been a while since I read it. But there's a progression. There's a reason why Harry and Draco are thrown together. There's a reason why they start to care about each other. You know, whether it's believable or not, it's in the fic. The per- yeah. the, the author writes about the progression actually, of the their things relationship. I really liked about it was that they took thirty chapters in the middle to just do this day by day progression into where you would actually yeah. care about the character. So whether or not I, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed that fic. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't put it down. I read it to the end. I haven't read the sequels. I just couldn't get into them because I just found that it was dragging on. I just was like, okay, I get it. I haven't read the Draco second, third. Harry so- Brothers. I get it now. You know, and it just didn't feel like it was moving anywhere because it's a very detailed fic. But I felt that there was some effort into bringing up why Harry and Draco are now hanging out. Whereas in in stories like this, that it, it's like they've just gone, mm, who should I put in the fic? Oh, well, I want to redeem. Draco, so I'm just going to do it. And they don't don't give any because to me all the interaction that they have would make Harry want to punch Draco in the face, not be his buddy, you know. <laughs> 
So I think that's what it is. I feel like things that Harry wouldn't care about Draco's being. I think they quite get the buddy buddy level, except maybe the scene where they're avoiding the prefect meeting. But and then so he and Draco are sitting on the floor, you know, back in the cupboard here. Only now you're with Draco Malfoy avoiding a prefect meeting. The conversation was funny, but 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 I kept thinking, what's the point? Oh, I, See, I think- like that because they had something in common. They both didn't want to go, so they could at least talk about that civilly. It's just one small thing in common. That could have been a starting point for them getting to yeah. tolerate each other. They both realize they hate sitting in Roger Davies' meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. That could be used as, as, a, as a plot point to do that because I think after, like, if you're looking at canon, after Deathly Hallows, like, they nod at each other in the epilogue, right, on, on the mm-hmm. train station. So you have this sense that they can at least now be civil to one another. Um, and so I think that there is obviously 19 years of them practicing being civil to one another like so and i think that part of that comes out of what happens in the in the final battle and and everything that harry learns and the way he grows and all that blah 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 nicey stuff and i i think that that incidences like that where they may find they have something in common that would promote that but you can't just drop them together and and suddenly have harry remotely care what what happens you know you need a series of those little events that has to build up, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, there's too much animosity between them. They're not just going to say, oh, we hate the meeting. Let's not, let's just forget that we hate each other. <laughs> I think there's going to be more of a, why aren't you in the meeting, Potter? Well, I don't like to go, yeah, well, oh, I didn't believe no, St. Well, Potter even, would, the, the, would ditch a meeting. Oh, what will Dumbledore think? You know, he'll be sarcastic and snarky to him, and Harry will which go, Which they like, did during mean? that whole conversation. They were still sniping at each other, which I think was the part of the, the conversation yeah. that I like it was amusing because every other time they see together the the whole vibe of it just throws me off because they're talking in polite terms and i almost expect them to start asking about the family it it, which in draco's case would be tremendous insult i suppose but (laughs) But see that's what i mean it's not consistent because through the rest of the fic they're not really all that snarky and snarky yeah do you know what i mean this sort of scene should have come in the first chapter right yeah if that's where the author wants to take it because i think i I think even 19 years later, if Harry and Malfoy had to actually interact for any extended period of time, they might get a little bit snarky, <laughs> even if they're being civil to each other. You know, if they didn't go up to each other, <laughs> I imagine they're stuck at some ministry function or something. And I can see just, you know, how people revert to how you were in high school. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even the end of Deathly Hollows, Draco, they, they really didn't come to any conclusions. Draco tried to sell them out still all the way yeah. to the very end. Yeah, exactly. So I just second I time we've saved your life tonight, you bastard. Yeah, <laughs> I loved Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the bit in that scene where he, what, what is it like? Harry's flying back to to get whoever. <laughs> Ron basically is like, if we die doing this, I'm going to kill. Die him. saving, <laughs> we die saving him. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Go back for crab. He's never spoken ever. <laughs> oh, 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 I have to talk about the musical, the Harry Potter musical. I haven't watched oh it. I've been watching it. Have so you seen it? Funny. Yes. I, I haven't seen it yet. Coil, Coil is awesome. awesome. <laughs> 
I just watched this scene as part of it. Come on. And um, well, I can't remember what he's I doing. I Voldemort Quirrel is the funniest part of the whole thing. The read, sorry. The Voldemort Quirrel, I think, is the funniest part of the whole thing. Don't spoil it. I haven't seen it yet. But, but no, oh, this isn't a spoiler, but it is good. You have to see it. But the Goyle, he does something. He comes on in a scene. I think it's with the with the brief, and he's and he's just he's um he's got this Draco is played by a female as his um crab <laughs> crab and, and Draco are both and they're fairly short and sort of petite and um Why Goyle is played all over the place constantly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't. But yeah, Goyle yeah. is this massive, massive, really tall, like six foot seven bloke with a and he speaks with a really deep voice. And he comes on and he does something at one point and then he just goes, yeah, I am Goyle. Oh, Goyle rule. I am Goyle, man of action. Yeah, it's just the funniest thing. I think I literally fell off my chair when Dumbledore calls Hermione a dumbass. Oh, that's what it was. Oh, this is the bit. Draco, uh, Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle are there. Blah, blah, blah. We're talking about going to the Yule Ball. Dancing's for nerds. And Goyle was like, we're not going to the ball. Dancing is for pansies. And then this chick walks in and Malfoy's like, Are you there? What's your name? Pansy. Perfect. Great, we're going to the ball together. (laughs) And I just think the writing is just really clever in a lot of places. But Goyle just cracks me up. I Skype Richard and I said, have you seen it? And he's like, no. I'm like, you might watch it for Voldemort alone because he loves Voldemort, you know. And he's like, huh. I don't don't know whether he was disturbed and I was going, Voldemort is awesome. Take my foot. plugged Harry Potter the musical on YouTube. You can find it on the YouTube. Star Kid Potter. Put it, it on YouTube. Really very funny. funny. It is. It's very funny. I like it. I meant to yes. watch it all and day today and I didn't get it. Oh. You know what it is me about the, the fact that I constantly is Harry going around hissing to his shirt all the time? <laughs> 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 it's like, can you imagine where, you, you know, the, the, the hissing sounds coming and going constantly? I mean, he talks to that snake a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there was a note I wrote. Speaking of talking to snakes, I remember, you know, how Hagrid brings all the snakes down. Where is it? I wrote it down, yeah. Okay, this this really bugs me. Harry and Cannon hates that he's a parcel mouth, yet he flaunts it in this fic. That bugs me. You know, so, oh, 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 Hagrid, oh, 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 let me go talk to the snakes. Oh, oh. You know, I'm like, ah. <laughs> that annoyed me. But then, okay, remember when he, he makes friends with Sandy and he says to Sandy, what is your name? And Sandy says, what is a name? And so Harry explains to her what a name is. And then Hagrid brings all the snakes. And then he brings the bow constrictor and Harry's like, oh, oh, let me go and see and talk to the snake because he wants to know how much in the future he can which I think is I, I like the fact that the snake can only tell him moons and, and he doesn't know because I, I like the fact that he's um, just stumped by the snake anyway 
And then he goes in and he says to the snake, what is your name? And then he's annoyed because he said that to every snake for the past month and none of them know what a name is and he has to explain it again. I'm like, wouldn't you stop asking that question by now? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> you get, you get annoyed is, by the strangest things. <laughs> I, I, that is what I was thinking. I'm like, Harry, you are stupid. Stop asking snakes their name when you talk to them. They don't have one. They don't know what it is. <laughs> I also can't believe it took Hermione... Um, I don't know if you covered this because I wasn't here. I was at watching my kid in the band. I can't believe it took Hermione so long to figure out that Harry was talking to a sight snake. I think she's smarter than that. So, <laughs> but you know, this, the prophecies, you know, that the snakes, I don't, I don't like prophecies. They bug me. And so the snakes, they say all this stuff and, and they're talking about, I don't know if you guys have had this on Big Brother, but the masters will be the servants and the servants will be the masters. All I could think of is that they're playing Big Brother. Cause <laughs> <laughs> you know how they do that on Big Brother? Like they're all the same, whether it's in America or Australia, or whatever. And, and they, they divide the, the house, the Big Brother house up and they have one be the servants or the slaves and the other one you know sit around and, and then they swap them you know mm-hmm. okay have you we seen that big brother here but but that, we have, i've never seen that game no well they, that's they what happens and you know because servants. because they want to they want to make you know the discord in the house because that makes the best tv and so half of them that you know they have to live outside and can only cook on the barbecue and they can only have cold showers for five minutes at nine o'clock yeah, every Monday. Only has to eat slop. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, and then they swap them. And so I'm thinking the snake's playing Big Brother. <laughs> Just, And it was 2001, which is sort of when Big Brother was at more of it at its height because we don't even have it anymore. They didn't do a series this year. No, it's, and it's not here either. And so I'm thinking, did she get it off Big Brother? Maybe. Uh, she might have. Because <laughs> that's what it made me think of. But, you know, Um. anyway, I, I think I'm starting to monologue. <laughs> All right, you're not starting to monologue maybe, at all. Maybe monologue just a little bit. A tiny bit. You sound very sleepy, Aaron, actually. That's... <laughs> you did. Sleepy. That sounded like you were falling asleep. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm going to be quiet now. <laughs> yeah, we have to remember that Kez is in the middle of her day. Yeah, what time is it over there, Kez? Like, like it is 10 12, 20? 12.55 p.m. It's lunch. I have to. I hope you realize the sacrifice I make for you people. I podcast at lunchtime, and I never get to eat lunch till 3 o'clock in the afternoon on podcast. That's a, that's a terrible, terrible sacrifice, Keza. <laughs> that's better. Uh, thank you for spending your your valuable, valuable time with us. We appreciate it. I would know that you you'd much rather be spending this time, you know, with your kids or writing your building wife. Oh, no, they're other, at other things you could be doing. My kids are at school. I could be writing the last chapter of my book. I could. Have we stopped talking about this week? <laughs> I've got a few things left. If anybody wants to go back to it, you should start talking. <laughs> Yeah, you should because we're we're way off course. All right, there's a a couple of small things that I really just found tremendously amusing. At one point, Harry wakes Ron up by having Sandy lick him. Yeah. <laughs> This is wrong. This is all kinds of wrong. Um, <laughs> Just shake your shoulder and say, Ron, wake up! <laughs> in, in the Christmas crackers, there are fake snakes that don't speak real parcel tongue. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one was good. Let's see. And Harry is drinking his own potions. This is new. Yeah, he's so, he's so good at potions now that he trusts the potions he makes. To yeah. Do- right, right. I, where did that come from? I have, I have no idea about that. Because he's best buds with Snape now. Oh, right, right, right. It's all the extra potions work. Yeah. It is. He's com- the, it's confident now. And his well, he, mother. He decided he was, was going to get good, didn't he? But his it was mother a, 
was the best potion student Hogwarts has ever seen. So, ergo, Harry must be too. He must be. Another thing that... uh, Well, to be fair, P.S. is going to love me. Slughorn thought that about Harry, that it must be in his blood. That's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. Speaking of which, why isn't Horace in this fic? I like, it's so wrong that Horace is not included in this fic. Slughorn should be all over this thing. Because it's post-Goblet of Fire and we didn't find out about him till Half-Blood Prince. Wow. We had an errand moment. Yeah, I I have, I have a quick thing that I forgot to bring up earlier. Okay. Okay. Hagrid brings the Golden Griffin. Dumbledore admits, you know, that he had it brought in, you know, so that he could manipulate Harry, kind of mastermind him into deciding that he wants to be one for his Uh animates. And Harry's fine with it? Yeah. Well, well, no, that that kind of yes. But Harry has to sleep outside with it for a week. Mm-hmm. Is it not possible to bring the thing inside? They had oh. Fluffy. They had Fluffy in the third floor corridor. They can't bring it in. They, I mean, in year five, they made... <laughs> a centaur. Didn't they? Yeah, didn't they, they, gave for, they gave Forenzi a whole... Did you notice that? I did that for Scott. Forenzi. They gave... <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say anything. I did that... I, I I was sitting there going, why is she saying frenzy? I did that for Scott, because (laughs) otherwise I would have said, they gave Ferenz a whole room that looked exactly like the Forbidden Forest. They couldn't find a room in the castle to make, you know, like, Griffin habitat. No. So he had to sleep out in the snow. Well, they did have warming charms cast over it so that he could, he was warm. I've just been scanning through my notes to see if there's anything that I didn't yet bring up and laugh at. Um... I laughed at the fact that Snape uses Expelliarmus. <laughs> it just made me laugh. That, that's pretty random. That's just something random. Like Snape, I think it was in the Dueling Club, and Snape starts to Expelliarmus. Uh, that made me laugh. Um, <laughs> but this thing, you know, he's talking to Sirius. Harry's talking to Sirius. And he was telling him about the time when he was kissing Hermione or Cho. Oh, it was Cho. He was kissing Cho and thinks Cho's under impressed. And then he didn't talk about Ginny and Hermione or anything because he didn't want Sirius to think he was totally out of control kissing every <laughs> girl he sees. And I'm just sort of sitting there going, hmm, but you are! It's just a tip-off for you that you're out of control, that you shouldn't see, do something. He kind of acknowledges it, so. Yeah. He's acknowledged that he's out of control kissing every girl he sees, and he doesn't change his behaviour. <laughs> he's just, having too just, much fun. Is that normal boy behaviour, though? Yeah, I think we like, if he could, yes. I don't think it's normal <laughs> behaviour because most normal boys can't get away with it. But see, that's what I mean. Like, not that he's... Okay, I'm thinking if a boy could get away with kissing every girl he sees, fine. They would do that, right? That's normal behaviour. What I'm meaning is that once he's acknowledged that he's out of control, wouldn't you try and get in control? Mm. I don't think no. he had the I don't think he had the ability to get in. No, control. his uh, prefrontal cortex or whatever isn't fully developed yet. Like a, out of control that he really wants to control. Yeah. I'm, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, think I, think, I think it's like a divining rod at this point. <laughs> In Rod, we trust. (laughs) Absolutely. I think it's just kind of leading him around. Is it a divining penis or just a divine penis? Divining, you know, like it just well, kind of. Harry's is super. A dousing penis. <laughs> oh, it just the, kind of. The dousing god, constantly kind of, looking for water. It just kind of, it kind of leads him around the castle. Oh <laughs> it's like dear! His, it's, it's like his own very short leash. <laughs> well, you, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna try and steer that back to the fic. Uh, that is Harry. the big hole. That's the whole thing. <laughs> oh 
you know what? I can't help thinking. I'm thinking of because um, I when I was editing together the season finale, and I'm pulling out all the bits where we were giggling at Ron's hormones. There's me, Jen, Melinda giggling at Ron's hormones, and I can't help but think Ryan's going to get this recording and go, "Oh, why oh, did yeah. I let them on the yeah. podcast together?" <laughs> Harry has a very short leash. Harry has this problem. Draco himself is smitten with Jenny. During the Quidditch match, he throws himself in front of a bludger for her in front of his father. I know. (laughs) What's going on? I mean, come on. Harry. Harry? That's what I'm saying. Isn't it Harry that says to him, what do you think you're doing? Yeah. Harry calls a timeout to tell him how to play Quidditch. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm looking at that going, what is he doing? (laughs) Because he's basically going, Draco, you're going to give the game away. <laughs> you don't forget how to play Quidditch. <laughs> She's on the other team. I'm like, why is Harry telling him this? Just take it and go with it so that you can win. <laughs> Use it to your advantage. Out of sight and off the field already. But... <laughs> I think my favorite else? line in this whole thing was um was from Ron, which I was suppose it was the beginning of the end when you took my queen. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. Was a great line. That and was then I liked that that was the first time Harry beat Ron at chess and he didn't realize later it was because Sandy was giving him clues all along. I thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's ironic that Ron's going, you took my queen. You took my queen, yeah. Little, <laughs> just uh, like, yeah, you took Freud going on in there, yeah. Yeah. The writing was was very well deliberate, I, I feel, in this in this case. Yes, that's pretty awesome. That ranks up there with me with Angelina's joint project. That's <laughs> 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 still that cracks up, yeah. <laughs> what is it she tells them when they're at the Christmas party? Sod off! When uh, Harry won't close the door, she pops up out of the covers and she's like, Sod off! Or... If you're looking for the loo, it's next door. Bugger <laughs> off! It's the one that's marked loo very clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Bugger off, Harry! One thing I didn't like... I mean, like, really didn't, didn't like was when Harry is viewing Snape's memories, we see Sirius playing the prank on him uh, with the goblet of blood, and he's got Snape's fellow Slytherins involved in that. And I, that scene rubbed me the wrong way. I really, really, as a Slytherin, I don't think that my house has been well represented in this scene. I don't think any of us would break ranks and help out a Gryffindor, especially against one of our own. I mean, if it were a Ravenclaw or a Hufflepuff, I, I would accept it as plausible, but you know, not, uh, not, yeah, not I don't know. I agree with that. I don't think that would have gone. I think that was simply to make Sirius look worse. To be honest with you, yeah. well, that and I just don't think any of the houses. I think that was the point of the house. You know, I just I don't think any houses would do that. Yeah. No, that your house is My notes are bad for this one, uh, but we see the scene where James saves Snape's was, life. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and why Lily chooses him. You, you know, yeah. in the scene that I did make a comment on that in here that in this scene of teenage sex comedy throughout the whole thing, that, that was pretty romantic. Actually, I like it was that a whole moment of James depth, Lily moment. Which yeah, was very very startling, and the line has actually stayed with me. Uh, well, if he had died, it would have made you sad. It's yes, very simple, very poignant, yeah. and it's one of the things from this fic that has stuck with me these many, many years. So are these our final thoughts? I'm thinking so, because I'm out of material. Yeah, I think I think we've... we've and we've Aaron's passed, fallen passed asleep the... again. I have not fallen asleep again. Thank you very much, Keza. Good night, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Thanks, Melinda. Just, just checking. Just checking. Anybody got anything else to yes, laugh sir. about? No. I, I think... Serious points. Serious points? But I'm... Um, 
I said, I'm done with the serious uh, points. I'm done, oh, with, done with the key points. I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I went over my seven pages of notes. So seven I'm pages, good grief. I think the only thing, I'm just looking through my things. Stupid Ron picks up the kitten. Hermione took too long to figure it out. Harry asked no, blah, 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 blah. Joint project. Hermione figured it out by going to the library. Of course she did. (laughs) I'm just saying it's very, it's one of the few things that's consistent with canon. (laughs) Does she really go to the library in this fic though, or she just picks her hair? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I I like though, um, probably this may be the final note and stuff. I was just looking at my notes, but. Um, you know when something is written before one of the other canon books comes out and the author, like, gets it? Like, the whole Snake Lily thing, I, tell you, I did not buy that at all. And I'm reading Death of the Hallows going, oh, no, oh, I was wrong. And, like, <laughs> I'm reading the seven Horcrux going, Harry is so not a Horcrux. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, he is. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I want to say... Um, so I like um, aspects of fix where where they get it before the book comes out. You know, I, I almost never believe it. But this uh, this is a really small thing. This is not as big as Harry's a Horcrux and Snape's in love with Lily. You know, but they're making that potion and it gives you all the courage and stuff. And I'm like, yes. she made up the Felix potion before Half Blood Prince, and I was all very excited. See now, yeah, I noticed that too. Cool now afterwards, but if you bring it up to me, Blake, if, if you try and tell me Harry's a Horcrux before Deathly Hallows comes out, I am going, you're a fool. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take my foot out of my mouth <laughs> and go, Melinda Lee, how you were right. <laughs> and I was wrong. <laughs> oh, oh, and the other thing that I was, you know, this is the other thing. Um, you know, like the people have the final battle and they would put it out on a field, you know, before Deathly House came. They'd put them out on a field and have Harry and Voldemort face off with everyone like watching around them, right? And I always thought that was ridiculous. I thought it would be inside because every time Harry battles, and it's inside. And I like how basically in canon it was a little bit of both. Yeah, because was. he was outside in the forest, and then in the, the scene in the Great Hall at the end, it's inside, but everyone is standing around watching Harry and Voldemort, you know, do the thing. So and the and the Great one. Hall ceiling reflects what's going on outside. So it was it was a little of each. Yeah. This was the first yeah. fic I ever read. This was um I, I started in the fandom on a site called Harry Potter for Grownups, and somebody mm-hmm. had recommended this fic, and that's where I I found it through there. But it was the very very first one I ever read, so it'll always hold a special place for me. Same here. This was if not the first, then one of the first. It was one of the first that I read. I don't remember the first one I read, but it was one of the first. It was that definitely I read. the very first, and I didn't even get the fact that there was such a huge world out there because I didn't. I stayed with it for quite a while before I was. Then I, uh, I think I found a Yahoo group after that, and after that, I think fanfiction.net's like, oh my god. <laughs> then you really thought, oh, yeah. oh, there's lots of these out there. Yeah. Yeah. See, I never read it on Fiction Alley. I, uh, this was I got. It's on her Yahoo group is where I, I still have uh, the link still on my uh, on my favorites list here. It's from way back when. Very nice. Uh-huh. This, this is cool, by the way. Um, the Yahoo groups had a. Um, they had version. They had a ebook version. Versions of this you could get off of her, off of that. Oh, that was really helpful. PDF versions. Yeah, well, they, I got really? my Kindle. they still do. You can get PDF yep. or you can get just a chapter. You can list. put it on Kindle because I heard that Aaron reads fix on on his little Kindle thing. That's, That's right. What I I have, and I have <laughs> this on my Kindle. So. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I want a Kindle. I also have so on my Kindle. Been, Rebuilding life. By have Kindle. you been? I was gonna say, have you been Kindle? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> interesting fact. Um, Syye is one of the best sites to uh, to get uh, books to Kindle because. Because they have the, um, you can make the print version of the the fic, and if you tra- if you transfer it correctly, you can even get a you know a linked uh, chapter um, table of contents. So that's pretty cool. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Well, I wouldn't know how to do any of that. You can get a print version on Checkmated, too. Sorry. Does anyone have anything else? No. Speak no. now or forever hold thine peace. Until next week. I was just going to say uh, w- one more time how just utterly crazy it is that they, they had this plan with Cho and, and Victor, how complex that plan was. Oh, <laughs> it's just plan. Just saying, I don't want to go out with you anymore. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, it's just a, such a strange thing that they, they, they went with for comp- that, that and opera in Hogsmeade, I was just like, <laughs> hmm. I think I was being, friendly with Snape, opera. being friendly with Snape disturbed me less than the opera in Hogsmeade. <laughs> <laughs> I was not a fan of the opera. <laughs> oh, no. I did like, though, how Harry was so distraught by the singing of the death aria and then the lament for the dead and so forth. He was so distraught. Oh, I thought that was corny. I'm like, he's like, oh, oh it was fuck. very corny because as soon as he got out of the into the hall, Hermione's right behind him and he's like, ooh, Hermione, hello, I'm yeah. so distraught. <laughs> <laughs> the time they were snogging in the common room. So distraught, please comfort me. <laughs> seven seconds, oh, yeah. I swear to God. Only in this fix, seven words. <laughs> All right, guys, I am dying to sleep. Okay. You need to go to sleep now. The, the trick is to take short naps during the podcast, and you should try it next. <laughs> well done, Eric. Well done. Uh, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know how to. Um, I don't and on that note, good Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. I've got it. Cody, you're like the love child of Lady Chi and Ryan. Okay, that needs to be at the very beginning of this. That'll be part of the tag. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I just love this part. The peons are coming. Welcome to Peoncast. I'm Sue. I'm Kayla. I'm Kelly. I'm Scott. I'm Daniel. And this week we are doing the first in a series. It's called the F Word series. And the first one is Friends by Anatasha. And it is on phoenixsong.net. I think that the series is probably a really neat series and I'd be interested to keep going in it. Oh no, we lost Scott. It's an interesting time to write the fic in terms of the story. Mm-hmm. I really like Luna in this. I mean, I think this does a lot to make Luna a bit more rounded than she is in the books in some ways. Mm-hmm. We've got a more expansion on who she is. Um, and we tie up some of the things about, we trashed your room. Well, that's okay. <laughs> you left the ceiling intact. Very Luna moments, really. Which nice and touching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the book we sort of we're told Luna's you know smart because she's in Ravenclaw and it's sort of implicitly implied. But we see her sort of being pathetic in a way. But I think you sort of have the idea of her as being a little off the wall crazy. I think Luna is a very good observer of the people around her. She is more mm-hmm. in touch with what people are doing, body language, actions, 
consequences and things like that, then I think a lot of the people that we've seen in fan fiction and in canon are. If you think about meeting her when we first met her in Order of the Phoenix, and she seems this really crazy, eccentric kind of person, but she also realizes that these are her peers, and she doesn't want to say, oh, yes, they're stealing my stuff and I don't like them. They're stealing her things because they know that she's not going to retaliate. And when we find her shoes, things hanging uh, hanging from the ceiling kind of thing, she says it. It's all good fun. And if she can be the person or the entity who is able to add a smile to somebody's face in a time of stress, then she's going to do that. Yeah. And, and if you look at what she did in the uh, DA, I mean, she is right there. She knows what's going on. She can see the big picture and tries to help other people deal with what's going on in the big picture. I think Lynn is very steady. She is this cool, reflective character because she's not, it's not that she's not all there, but she's not all in the moment. Saying something to her, stealing something off her won't phase her because she's not focused on, well, this is what's just happened, but also on, well, all these strange things could happen, etc., etc. She's got all that going on in her head at the same time as all the things which she prefers to ignore or appears to ignore. So there's, there's that aspect as well. She's not a really lineal thinker. She's not very linear. She's very uh, quantum thinker, really, if you think yeah. about it. so that's that. <laughs> I mean, you ever really see her saying, oh, you know, it's hopeless, you know, she's never going to get any better. That's just not who she is. Mm-hmm. She's the one that, when you say faith, then I think of, you know, she has faith in all of these odd creatures that everybody else doesn't think exists, but, mm-hmm. but she has faith that they are out there somewhere and that at someday she's going to find them or her father's going to find them and it's going to be proven. And she just embraces that. Mm-hmm. She believes in all these creatures and things, but then the other side of that is she also believes in people. Yeah, she, she believes in Harry. She's one of the first ones to talk to Harry and say, we know that you're not this insane attention seeker. We believe that what you're doing is good and you are actually telling the truth and mm-hmm. things like that. She has some degree of naivety, doesn't she, though? She seems to be very trusting of everyone, not just some people, but virtually everyone. We kind of brushed over this, but this starts off at the funeral of Remus and Tonks and Harry's there and he's kind of looking around and, and that's when he sees that Luna's there. And of course Luna is dressed all in white because they don't believe in the somberness of the occasion. You know, she'd much rather bring the joy that could be there and all of that. Um, I also liked that Ramon Levain was there in a very trashy robe <laughs> kind of fawning all over Harry. And I love this. You're 16 for God's sake. Did your mother let you leave the house in that outfit? You're far too good at saying that, Sue. So I think they share the whimsicalness, but I'm not sure they share the trust for people. Because Dumbledore has a ferociousness to him, but Luna doesn't. He has this, this capacity to turn on people. I also want to bring up another point. White, traditionally, in Middle Eastern countries, and in uh, Islam, is a mourning color. Oh, really? People dress all in white mm-hmm. to mourn. Only in the West do they dress in black to mourn. I just thought the white dress was pretty appropriate to me, like, especially for Luna, because I see it as, like, her innocence and representing life. Like, black is just so harsh, and obviously when you see it, you think of, like, especially when there's, like, a large group of people, you think of, like, funerals and stuff, so. I thought that was a good way for her to go. Hi, this is Sue, your friendly neighborhood editor, and in this next section, we are talking about Charlie. 
I thought it was kind of random. I don't Since he wasn't really around a lot in the books, and this one seemed to be following canon a lot. But, like, it was nice to see that he was around, but still kind of random. Like, and I'm surprised. I think he seems to have come for his parents, you know? Yeah. Um, or come back for funeral of um, George, isn't it? My memory's appalling. Fred. Fred. It's Fred. <laughs> see, I told you my memory was appalling. One of the twins. <laughs> Best twin. Anyway, he's come back for his parents, and then he's here now on Harry's behalf, as it were. He's here now to help Harry. He was up there on the Weasleys' behalf, because none of them could make it. But the question is, why are the Weasleys expected to turn up for everyone's view? They've got their own serious morning time to be going through at this point, haven't they? You can't really expect them to turn up to every single funeral. Yeah, I... Yeah. That threw up an interesting issue. I think it's more a case of the fact that they're a blood family, they're a pure-blood family, than most pure-blood families would be expected to attend. Yeah. But most pure-blood families don't. Remember, um, what's the description? Yeah. Well, that and the order. Tonks was tied as a half-breed blood trait by one group, a black by another, and a renegade by many in the MLES. So, you know, but the pure-bloods aren't expecting anyone to attend. It's out of respect. And I think for Remus and Tonks, because they were in the order, they fought together, spent time together, they were, I would say, probably friends. And so I think that maybe not that they were expected to be there, but that they wanted to show their support Yeah. by being there. And that obviously they weren't all going to be able to make it because three of them were sedated and one, two of them were ill and, and uh, Ron and Hermione have gone off to pick up her parents. So. It came down to Charlie and, and Ginny. Uh, and so they just wanted to just show their support. That's the way I felt anyhow. Yeah, that's usually been the main reason why I go to funerals, even if I haven't like fully known a person and say it's like a friend's like parent or something. I go because to support them. Sure. And I guess out of respect too, but even though I guess I wouldn't be expected to go. You know, and a lot of times it doesn't matter what you say as long as you're there. As mm-hmm. you're there, yeah. And that's what makes me really think that was the big part of it. Somebody would needed to be there to show the Weasley support. So then the service is over and, and there's a long line waiting to go talk to Andromeda. And, and Harry makes sure that he's the last one and goes and just, you know, lets her know that he's there, that he's Teddy's godfather. And I love that she's immediately, he's staying with me. And Harry's like, good. <laughs> I didn't really. Yeah, that, that was a good moment. That was a really good moment. When I see fan fiction that has the funeral in it, I'm always struck by there was one that I read that I think actually Peon cast the you know, the first generation covered where Harry goes and he talks to Andromeda and offers to take Teddy. And she tells him, he's all that I have left. Mm-hmm. And it just tears me up. And I'm so glad they didn't put that in here. She starts out with, he's staying with yeah. Yeah. I thought that was great. It's about black fierceness lines. It's implied rather than stated. And it's a nice image with the sorrowful grandmother and the baby grandson blowing bubbles and trying to eat the grandmother's hair. That's just a really nice image of life going on in some ways. Now, there's this terrible tragedy, but it can't stop. Yeah, Teddy has no idea what's going on. He's too young to. I also like the line, because he goes and he's crying, and she says, you know it's really bad when Harry Potter's feeling for you. Yeah, except when he goes off in one of his moods, be fair. He has his moments. (laughs) (laughs) We were all caps lock at that point, I think, or at that age. I remember that phase. (laughs) (laughs) 
Melody, you probably just came out of it, no? Yes, she's still in the face. <laughs> Catflock Cody. Cody, take a breath. <laughs> Are you sure you're not like Ryan's long lost child or something? I've got it. Cody, you're like the love child of Lady Chi and Ryan. <laughs> God. Well, think about it. I mean, Cody monologues really good, and then she has a thing for semicolons. It's just only natural. I love you, Ryan and she. <laughs> okay, so dragging us back to the fic. We brushed on uh, Charlie earlier just briefly, but I liked that he, he acknowledged that Ginny was her own person and that she was strong. And he, you know, he did warn Harry off a little bit, but he didn't come on like we see Ron come on or, or other family members come on and threaten him within an inch of his life or whatever. I thought that was really nice. Yeah. I liked that he said Ginny's got the rest of his birthday present for him. And he's not quite sure what that is, but... Uh, I thought that was quite good. Wasn't he applying to number 10? What, Kayla? Wasn't he applying, or wasn't he implying to number 10, like, you know, skip steps one through nine and make it 10? Because that's what I was picking. Oh, no, no. No, that's what I was picking up. I don't think so. That's no, I, I think it's left to your imagination to work yeah. it out. You, you can read into it what you want. No, well, I went the one way. <laughs> you actually find out in the chapters what the second half of his birthday present is. Okay. Not that we're going to cover that tonight. Well, for now, it's left. Scott, he he hung up. I'm going to call him back because he was not hearing us at all. Scott. Unfortunately, even after adding him back, this is all he could hear. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Blame Sue. <laughs> it's not me. We blame the boss. We blame the boss on every occasion. Sue? That's you. Oh, all right. <laughs> that means it's also your job to bring us back to the thick. But before I could do that... All I'm getting is, like, little bits and pieces of people. Which bits? Oh, no, not you too. What, are more of you having my sound problems now? Quick, Scott, say something while you're here. <laughs> Yay, Scott! Hi, this is me saying a random sentence. I still can't hear anything, really, but hi anyway. We can hear Scott. But Scott can't hear us. Smoke signals. Smokes? No, sign language would be easier. Well, sign language would be even worse. Webcams. Hmm. We're way off course. I think we pretty much got all of an Andromeda. I love the scene where Luna comes up and just puts her arms around him and he doesn't know what to do. Because it's so totally not a Luna thing. It's, it's just such a totally Harry thing being flummoxed by a friend coming up and, you know, comforting him. Yeah. He just doesn't know how to respond to it. That's just so typically Harry, really, isn't it? I've got a blonde moment that I'd like to share. So when I was reading it and Luna had mentioned how she liked Dean Sternum, I guess I never really paid attention in biology in high school because I was thinking it was something else. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, this just went to R-rated here. That's and impressive. <laughs> then, and then I Googled. And I think I think all we'll say is the sternum is not that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shoot, biology's coming back to haunt me. It's not rated R yet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so moving on from blonde moments and sternums, 
Or possibly blonde sternum. <laughs> Harry finally realizes that the last time he saw Luna's father, the Death Eaters were there. And, and all of a sudden he's like, oh no, is your dad okay? And I loved Luna's response, which of course I don't have right here. Blah, 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 blah. You have a far too good a memory because I've got the direct quote in front of me. Oh no, you've got it in front of you and yet you misread it? I'm impressed. Well, I liked that... Are we all still here? Fortunately, we were. I like the jump from how's your father to we trashed your room. So her father didn't get killed. Mm-hmm. And then we blew up the room. Yeah, I wonder which one she thinks is more important. Like I said, Luna does not think linearly, but Harry does. True. But that's not so much linear thinking, it's just odd thinking. Yeah. Linking her father to the room being trashed, not anything else that might have happened in the intervening period. No, because she says the most important thing wasn't damaged, and that was the ceiling. It, it's that nice, sweet, sentimental, very Luna moment. Her friends are more important to her than anything. Yeah. Right. So. But actually, what I was referring to at the very beginning, and it's taking me this long to actually find it, and of course I've lost it again, was when Harry said, how's your father, or something like that, and, and she said something like, well, I think he's really great. Totally mis getting you know he's worried about what happened with the death eaters and she's saying well i've always thought my dad's a wonderful person why are you asking you know like we were talking before not exactly on the same plane and i love that they go back to talking about her room he's apologized about the room and she's letting him know that the most important part was fine and he says do you think you'll be adding dean up on your ceiling and she thinks that she stares at him placidly for a moment i don't know that would be nice but Harry, even if I never find another friend to add to my ceiling, the five of you will always be there, and that will always be enough. Oh, he said, and thank you. And he's just finally, it's, at least he had the confidence there to say thank you and not, you know, mumble. Because a lot of times when somebody says something like that to Harry, he doesn't know what to say. And, and I like that he just kind of accepted it. That's an improvement over his more silent periods. Yeah, but he's, it, he's maturing. He's I maturing. Mean, in some ways, I'm surprised he actually asks of Luna whether she'll be adding Dean. I know it just seems a slightly inappropriate question to ask. Do you think he'd be adding someone? No, I think it was a matter of how is your relationship with Dean? Are you okay with but Dean? But he'd already asked that, hadn't he? I think, I think he was really testing the waters there to see how much of a relationship do you have with Dean? Mm, that could be. Well, is it? I, I think it was. Don't we have that you and Dean bit for that? You know, we've got him, you know, suddenly going, so, you and Dean, asking about him more directly. Yeah. Let's try and make conversation while I'm trying to really hard to not concentrate on mm-hmm. Ginny. Not going to work, Harry. Not going to work. <laughs> and earlier during the funeral, or right after the funeral, she was kind of walking among the headstones and it looked like she was speaking to them. And then here at the very end, she leans down and, and whispers to Tonks' tombstone, do not worry about young Theodore. Your mother will take very good care of him. And I'm sure that Harry will help her and we will help him. And, you know, I can just see that's just so Luna. I can see her just kind of walking around and, and communicating with them and, and totally believing that she is communicating with them. Mm-hmm. that they're still somewhere that she would hear them. I choked up there. I think almost the odd thing is that no one else is communicating with them because it is something you see at funerals, isn't it? People talking to to the dead, at least talking to where the body's buried. Luna's the only one we actually see highlighted. That might be just the focus of the story being on Harry and Luna because that seems to take up most of the story. Well, either that or it's when you're doing that, 
And I've actually done that. A friend of mine passed away about 14 years ago, and we still go and see him. I have known people to do this. My friend Paula's father passed away, and she'll go talk to him. But she's not going to do it with a group of people around. That's a very personal thing. With Luna, Luna's already in her own world anyway. She's not going to care that there's 150 people standing around. She'll go do what she wants to do. That's what's so great about her, I think. Because she doesn't care what's going on around her. There's something different about her as compared to any other character in almost any fiction, but she's just, she's her, she's happy with who she is, she's happy with life, even if it's a slightly odd life at times, but she's happy, basically. Even when the world's going to hell in the handcart around her, she's still happy. Yes, she is. So I'm going to send a message to Scott and see if he's got final thoughts. As far as the fic goes, I found it kind of interesting that it starts out being a hairy fic, and as a lot of the discussion has gone tonight, it sort of almost turns into a Luna fic, or at least the way that Luna can affect Harry anyway, because she's what sort of brings him out of just the funeral mindset, because he's been at so many the past few days, and this gives him a little bit of a different direction to go in just because Luna herself is in such a different direction. I think it doesn't really follow through the whole story. You don't quite get that until near the end, but she sort of is the the friend that is mentioned in the title. Some of it's talking about her having her five friends and how that would be enough for her. The very last line, or the last few lines, is that Luna disapparates and disappears with a pop so quiet he could almost have convinced himself that it wasn't there, only he knew it was. It's a very odd sort of ending. It didn't seem quite right to me for some time. I thought maybe it might be some sort of reflection on how people underestimate Luna, because the only other person in the books that I can think of that apparates that quietly is Dumbledore in the first book. He just sort of appears as if he'd popped out of the ground, it says. Luna isn't one to be underestimated. But then, looking at it again, having gone through it now, I wonder if it isn't more about Harry and how he likes to convince himself of things. He often convinces himself that he'd be better off alone or his friends ought to run away and hide and they wouldn't be hurt and such. And this is him choosing not to convince himself. He's realizing that Luna really is a friend of his and will be there for him, whether he wants her to be or not. She's not some sort of non-existent thing, and he has to take that into account. I thought it was very interesting. She felt almost ethereal. She's dressed in white and lace. It's the fairy godmother effect. <laughs> it, it seems to be a sort of surreal experience, because the whole thing to be happening at a funeral, given what they talk about, is a bit surreal, because that's how Luna is. And then that bit at the end, it's, you know, it's almost as though he could have just imagined the whole thing, the whole surreal experience, and then relegate it to something that didn't actually happen. But he knows it has happened, so he's having this conflict between, that can't have happened, but it did. Did anybody have anything final that they're just burning to say? Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. It would be really ironic if the sound came back now. Love.